Welcome to Sacred Realms. It's a great day in Hyrule, y'all. Welcome to Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast. I'm your host, Lyndon Willoughby. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Willoughby. We have been driven indoors this evening. An Arctic chill has come uh, has come down from Zora's domain. And, uh, oh, sorry, that's I got mixed up. Yeah, that's about that's wrong, wrong game. Yeah, my bad. Um, yeah, an Arctic chill has come down from the north and... Uh, it is too cold for even uh, Matt and I to be outside recording with a stogie, um, which should tell you something because we really enjoy the cold weather. So with all that being said, we're at my kitchen table, hoping that it sounds fine because we've never recorded in here before. Um, I'm looking out the window, Matt, and I can see our recording space and it it, it, it just looks sad it and looks lonely. It looks so sad out there. It's depressed. Yeah. I'm depressed, but... Only for a moment. Well, you know what I think might be able to lift your spirits, Matt? This amazing AFC Championship football game that's on behind me that I'm trying desperately not to pay too much attention to. I was going to say the sexy-ass guest that we brought on this show tonight. Well, that I too. I think it's definitely the sexy-ass guest. We, I think we know right. it's the sexy-ass guest. It's the mustache. Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome back to the pod for the second time this season. Returning favorite, the uh, the breaker of ties, uh, our friend, the detective Mike. How you doing, Mike? I'm thrilled to be here to break the ties. <laughs> have you ever, yeah, you've broken one or two ties in the voting process before, right? Yeah, I have to be useful. Otherwise, I feel like you wouldn't take me back around. So, mm, yeah, I feel like it was probably the Skyward Sword one. I think that's probably where I, I feel like Matt wanted it higher than it was. And what did I want higher than or, it was? Or, or maybe I'm trying to remember the ties that he's broken in his time. I actually don't think the only one that I can think of was Skyward Sword versus Link's Awakening because there was a flip-flop on whether Skyward Sword would be three or Link's Awakening. I voted for Link's Awakening. And I voted you for two, Skyward Sword. You two both voted for Skyward Sword. And Mike was on my team. That sounds right. Okay, cool. Well, may you be on my team this time. I doubt it. He and I go back further. That's true, but he and I, we've been we, through we, more. we're on the same track. We understand each other. I have no size. <laughs> I'm Switzerland. <laughs> Neutrality. We'll put that to the test, Mike. We really will. Uh, it is great to have you back. It, it feels very strange because um, we've obviously been mentioning you quite a lot in these last few episodes of the pod since you've been on. And that really all comes down to the fact that we've been in sections of the game that were heavily altered from the GameCube version, which is the one that you've been playing, uh, most notably the Triforce quest. Right. Um, and we got we got into the specific details of how that is different on your version versus the one we were playing with Max last week. So I don't want to dwell too much on the 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 fine details of of your like the whole experience as you played it. But I do just want to know, um, how was that? How much do you want to know? Oh, we've got a minute for you to give us some some very cuttingly honest remarks. Let me paint you a word picture of how much I enjoyed the Triforce quest on the GameCube. Lyndon, picture you're going to the bathroom. You get in there and you sit down to take a number two. Then you realized you didn't bring your phone. You look around panicked, hoping that there's a book or something. There's no reading material whatsoever. You're upset. You're there way too long. Your legs fall asleep. 
you're finally done and it's ready to get over with. And then you realize you have no toilet paper. That is how much I enjoyed the Triforce quest on the GameCube. <laughs> Mike, you're an artist with words. That was poetic and descriptive. <laughs> and I feel what you were feeling now. Wove, I'm there. You wove such a tapestry in my mind. <laughs> you don't even have any socks to take off to use, too. Oh, oh God. no. Man. Okay, so suffice it to say, um, not great. Uh, so I... We'll get into it more as this goes on, I'm sure. I love Wind Waker, and I loved playing back through it. We talked a little bit when I was on last about how this was kind of a tedious part of the game for me, mm-hmm. and I, I stopped the first time I played through because of this quest. Man, I almost stopped again. The only reason I kept going was for you, Lyndon, for you in the pod. I love it when you think about me. Um, yeah, it's so funny because... That was my experience as well when I played this on the GameCube the first time. And uh, and it really does, like on the Wii U, it really does bring the game to a somewhat abrupt, you know, halt in terms of momentum. Uh, on the GameCube, it just is like a screeching wheels coming off the train, train comes off the track, like... Um, I was actually doing a little bit more research after our conversation with Max and like looking up YouTube videos of the way that this all works on GameCube and everything. And and just watching it made me exhausted, frankly. I, so it started out not too bad. I started doing some exploration I hadn't done. And I was, okay, well, this feels fun. I love the exploring. But I'm on a time crunch. I'm trying to keep up with you guys in the pod, trying to take care of my kids and work, which I didn't have to do last time I played this game. Mm. Um, but... It really did just become a slog, um, having to pay Tingle an exorbitant amount of rupees. It really is. I think he's this, just, he's absolutely um, extorting you. That's it. I think this yeah. is where my my hatred of Tingle started. I really don't like him. Um, and I think this is where it was. I'm like, man, I, I'm sailing around bringing you these things. And then you're just essentially like raking me over the coals for every little rupee I have. Because um, you have to take all of them to him. And I, th- I think what you guys have three on the enhanced edition, three charts. Three, yeah, yeah. Three charts. Yeah, yeah. I'm going back to tingle like a crack addict trying to get my charts. <laughs> and he's just like, OK, the first one was free. Now pay up link. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's. A- so did you did you have to be did you have to do a significant amount of ruby grinding in order to make this happen? Like, did you spend a lot of time having to go pull chests up off the seafloor and all that? Uh, yes and no. I, I did have to grind more than what I had planned. Um, but as I was exploring, I was finding a bunch of those chests that come up with purples and whatnot. So I wasn't having to, to go out of my way to grind as much as I thought, but it was definitely always present. Like I, I couldn't just pass it up. I had to go out of my way to find some rupees. Yeah, no, I get you. So if, if, so if it's fair to say that the Triforce quest on GameCube was the undisputed low point of your experience with this game, and it sounds pretty fair to say, yeah, that's very fair. Yeah. I, uh, that's a low point, but then it goes to a high point. I was right going to say, did, I was going to say, did the ending of the game just elevate you far past that point, like up into the stratosphere of awesome Zelda moments? And that's it. So you you've got, a really solid game, a, a real low point in the Triforce quest for GameCube. And I will a- applaud that Nintendo on the enhanced version understood that that was a, a low point and did what they could to kind of mitigate some of that. So it sounds like that's a step in the right direction. I didn't get to benefit from it. Mm. But then, man, you up to one of my, my, I will put it in my top 
two or three favorite endings of a Zelda game. Mm-hmm. Mm, there you go. I think that's fair. So it's it's almost like the original Triforce quest was the kill me now section of Wind Waker. Oh, it's the Tad Tones. Yeah, it's this the Tad Tones plus the Elden Ring lose all your. <laughs> I st- I still think that. Did you just say Elden Ring? Did I? Is Elden, Elden Volcano? Volcano. <laughs> it's a different oh, game, Elden man. Elden Volcano. It's a different game. <laughs> Look, I've got lots of things on my mind. Elden Volcano, lose all your <laughs> section, all that. Yeah. Just kidding. This is now an Elden Ring podcast. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's funny. I don't know. I feel like I feel like uh, Elden Volcano and Tad Tones might still be worse than Triforce Quest. Like, <sighs> So I, I think that it all depends on what you enjoy out of a game. Um, if I had more time and could finish my exploration the way I wanted to, I don't think that this would be so much of a grading experience. Mm. Uh, but the fact that I know, hey, I've got X amount of time to get ready for the pod with Lyndon and Matt. And cool, here's seven or eight maps that you've got to go get and pay for with Tingle, go to this place. I'm over here every time, like getting more progressively frustrated mm-hmm. with each one. Mm-hmm. And then some of them aren't really fun. So here's what I'm going to interject is that um, I would say that the Tad Tones and Elden Volcano section would be more fun than this. And I, I did watch a, and actually, I actually went and like watched a YouTube video of somebody doing this part of the quest just because I wanted to understand it as much as I could without having actually played it. And if you do what I think most everybody did, which is save this to do it all at once, you're literally just doing a back and forth, back and forth, back and forth and talk about tedium. Like at least the Tad Tones and the Elden Volcano stuff, you had different things. You were also doing combat. You were also doing like it was it, it was more objective based. Like this looked just like a. Well, uh, and I will say that those were at least unique experiences yeah. within that game. So the, the underwater portion, getting the Tad Tones, while tedious, was kind of its own mechanic. Right. And so at least a little. And it was a one time thing. Like right. you did it and you didn't have to go do it again. And then you had the thing with the Elden Volcano where yeah. you've lost all, lost all your gear. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, I think, not to get too much into Skyward Sword, but I'm pretty sure where we all landed with this at the time was that Tad Tones, not as bad as everyone says they are. Elden Volcano worse than everybody remembers it being <laughs> like yeah. yeah and that's so that's this you know they, they took steps to mitigate it with the enhanced with the fewer number of things you have to go back to tangle for um and then the fast sale i think really would have made me enjoy it more yeah i literally just spent so much time sailing that i probably could have played another zelda game in that time frame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you just open up Link Between Worlds on your 3DS while you're sailing you between locations. You could have beaten The Legend of Zelda four times over in the time that it took for you to do Yeah, you probably could course. have, honestly. True facts. Yeah, yeah. cool. So, uh, like, I think unless you want to transition to the next part where we start talking about the game in total. Uh, you, you, you can get your point in and then we'll move on to uh, to all that from there. I think that this kind of drills down into... Uh, the the main crux of where this game could or could not fall short of the other games in our top three is like, where does the great C in particular as like the main draw of the game, I would say more or less is the great C, everything that's on it, the exploration thereof. If that works for you, this game is going to be in your top two, top three. 
easily. If that doesn't work for you, this game is not going to be there. So, so I think that in, in my opinion, that's where this conversation is more or less going to center. So without obviously without spoiling the end of this episode, I, ca- I came, I, I, so I come into this episode knowing exactly where I'm going to rank this. I know. I'm glad you do. I know where I'm putting it. Um, with, uh, you know, with some other options that hasn't been as much the case, but I know exactly where I'm putting this. Um, what you just said was something that I had not, there's an element to it that I had not considered. It's not changing my ranking, but it is making me feel more confident in my Mm -hmm. ranking. Yeah. And I can't wait to talk about it here in just a little bit. So with all that being said, let's get the housekeeping out of the way and then dive into the recap portion of this episode because, uh, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, yeah, there's a ton. I think this is going to be a really, there, I think this might be the most contentious episode of Sacred Realms that we've had so far. This point. Yes. Yeah. Cool. I think there's a good, good possibility. So with all that being said, if you didn't know, Sacred Realms is a weekly re-examination of The Legend of Zelda one little slice at a time. Sacred Realms drops every Wednesday and is available on all major podcast networks. Every week we play a new section of a Zelda game. Then we sit down here to talk and to drop our hot takes. If that sounds fun to you, please head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and be sure to leave us a review. Five-star reviews are greatly appreciated, and they have a chance to get a shout-out here on the show. This is the point in the episode where I kind of look over at Matt and say, hey, uh, go see if we have any new five-star reviews. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I'll tear my gaze away from the AFC Championship game and go see. We appreciate that. Patrick Mahomes doesn't appreciate that, but I do. I know. If you want more Sacred Realms in your life, head over to patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod to get access to our Discord channel, write in listener mail, vote on what game we play next, and so much more. Additionally, one of the benefits that our Patreon supporters receive every week is that we read their names here on the show. Those legendary individuals are Shepherd Street, Theodore, Matthew, Chris, Daniel, Fallout 907, Kelso, Tiffany the Star, Daxel, Patrice, Stephanie, Darknuck, Brian, George, Mike, Dylan, Allie, Lennon, Melanie, Kolku, Aiden, Rowan, Joshua, Nick, Dante, Gep, Brittany, Davey, Haru the Mighty, Derek, Albert, Mark, Andy, Cameron, Tyler, Ben, Daniel, Nick D underscore TV, Travis, Christian, Jonathan, Hyrule Interviews, aka Max Nichols, Garrett, Andrew. You are the most legendary of individuals. We really hope that you still appreciate us after you get done (laughs) listening to this episode. This is just a reminder that the game we're playing next has already been voted on. We've said it before now, but here's just a, a reiteration of uh, of the results of that poll. The next game that we're playing is A Link Between Worlds on the 3DS. That's going to be season eight of this show. Very excited about it. We're not starting that next week. We are going to have one bonus episode between this one and the start of season eight, just as kind of padding at the end of the season, which has kind of become our ritual lately and I think works out really well for all of us. But regardless, um, if you do want to get ahead on that playthrough, then now's the time to charge your 3DS. If you don't have a copy of the game, go track one down, Um, you know, be prepared because we're going to launch into it hard and fast and it's going to be a really great season. But... (sighs) 
Oh, I'm sorry. No, uh, we we don't have any new five-star reviews um, since October, actually. So uh, to all of our loyal listeners, of which there are uh, literally thousands, uh, if you haven't done so, please go uh, drop a five-star review. Leave us a a nice uh, rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify as able. Um, That really does help promote the show and uh, get the word out. Uh, Please recommend to friends and family as as appropriate. Um, That is just one of the best free ways to support the show, um, and we appreciate it. Appreciate every kind word and uh, point of feedback. So and just to you. clarify, we have no written five star reviews since that time, right? Because you yeah. can still you can submit a review and it'll still count it, but like unless you write something underneath that, it doesn't show up on like right. the feed, right? So yeah. if you if you left us a five star review without comments, then we still very much appreciate you. Your review did go in, so yes. yeah. Um, but yeah, leave, leave us, uh, leave us some nice words and we'll give you a shout out on the pod. Absolutely. That's what we're all about. But with all of that being said, let's get into what is, what is sure to be a momentous Sacred Realms recap. Uh, we of course revisit the Sacred Realms recap in the final episode, or at least the penultimate, the final main episode of every season. Uh, it replaces the Sacred Realms rundown. And in this section, we give awards for excellence in character, dungeon items. We talk about the arcs of the main characters in this game. And then at the very end, we rank the game that we just got finished playing against the other ones that we've already played. I'm going to reiterate that ranking real quick at the top of this section, and I will do so again when it actually comes time to vote. But just uh, just to remind everybody where the list sits as of this moment. Number seven is The Adventure of Link. Number six is The Legend of Zelda. Number five is A Link to the Past. Number four is Link's Awakening. Number three is Skyward Sword. Number two is Ocarina of Time. And number one is Breath of the Wild. Where will the Wind Waker fall? We'll find out at the end of this episode. Before we get there, let's get into part one, which is the part of the Sacred Realms recap where we talk about the plot. And I know that we usually divvy this section up into discussions separately about the treatment of Link, Zelda, and Ganon within the game. And we will do that. But before we get there... I just want to give us some time for the table to talk about the plot overall and and just our impressions of it and kind of where we netted out with it. So with all that being said, I'm going to turn it over to our guest of the evening first. Mike, having just finished this game uh, for the first time in how many years? Quite a few, right? Uh, yes. The last time I finished this game would have been high school, so 14 plus years ago. Okay. So it's been it's been a span. Yeah. You span. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So I know that you had high, you know, very, um, very positive memories of this game going back into it. Did the plot live up to your memories now being done with it? Plot? Yes. Um, so there were a lot of things that felt very welcome and nostalgic with this game. And the plot is one that I really enjoy that kind of how you get drawn into it. The, my sister's been kidnapped. I'm going to immediately go rescue her all the way through to the, okay, well at the end we're, we're fighting Ganon from Ocarina of Time again, or Ganondorf, uh, I should say. Um, but I really like the, the plot. Um, the storyline is really well told with the cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the characterization of, I mean, I don't know if I should talk about characters in this part or, well, um, I wouldn't get too specifically into details about specific characters, but it is definitely okay to talk about your general okay. feelings, I, especially because in fairness, Matt and I spent a lot of time discussing like the mannerisms of characters and the expressions and the style of like 
humor and stuff that this game uses. So that's all completely fair game here. And I, I like that that's all fairly unique in this game. Uh, I feel like the the mannerisms of the characters, Zelda's always been goofy, right? Mm-hmm. There's some goofiness mixed in with some serious. Um, I feel like this one's kind of over the top goofy in most of the ways, yeah. but it fits the game. Um, and it's crazy that you can have a game that sometimes is so goofy, you're kind of almost cringing at how goofy it is. Mm-hmm. And then you've got really emotional points like the very end of this game where i shed a tear um you know so get you a game that can do it all Uh, so this kind of does it so you you're caught up on the show you heard my point last week where i was kind of my my thesis for why matt never kind of caught on to the expressions and the humor of this game being that he does not have the nostalgia and the familiarity with like with Japanese animation and humor and goofiness and of this of this particular art style that this is kind of derived from um one do you feel like that's accurate and two I know that you do have some fond feelings for for that area of like art and for entertainment. And so do you think that that is something that's helping you enjoy it as much as I am and and more than Matt is? I think that's probably fair. So some of the Saturday morning cartoons we grew up on were very much Japanese animation. Um, I didn't really go out of my way to watch a lot of um, what would be traditionally called anime. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, the oh, Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So yeah, your Dragon Ball Z, your, your Pokemon. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times do we see Ash get like the little red thing on his forehead when he gets angry and his jaw <laughs> drops? <laughs> right, like, right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, or Misty when she gets the white eyes that are taking up half of her head. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. something bad thing to happen. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, is that, I mean, that over the top animation, like all the emotions are scaled up to a thousand. Mm. Um, I kind of get, that and you get that in, in especially like link and petra's um tetra tetra, tetra. What did I, this what? isn't petravenge from destiny 2 he wouldn't have known i don't is. even know who that is yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh tetra's yeah so their facial expressions specifically you know when she like winks or gets upset uh you can see that emotion a lot better in this game and i think that's a credit to the art style but i think of it on a fond note uh, I mean, when we first talked about this, the last episode I was on, it was kind of jarring at first, not what I expected, um, but it quickly became familiar and I end up loving it. And that's one of the things I enjoyed about going back to this game is, ah, I, I miss this. Yeah. To me, this game is so interesting. The story that it tells is so interesting because I don't want to I don't want to say that it's the most mature story that Zelda's ever told. And I don't even necessarily want to say that it's the most layered plot that's ever been presented Um, because, you know, you have to remember that we we got Majora's Mask before this game and Majora's Mask has a very mature and adult storytelling. It's a 14 layer cake. Yeah, it, it really is like there's a lot going on there. But what I do think this game is, is it is the first main. I know they're all mainline Zelda games, but it is the first you know how within the mainline Zelda games, there are some that are more mainline than others, right? Like sure. some, some are a little spinoff either in other dimensions telling smaller stories and whatnot, yeah. right? But this is the first of the big Hyrule story games that really felt mature and like it was telling a more grown up story, which is a very interesting juxtaposition to the art style and the goofiness that like the that is used to communicate a lot of the story. But when you distill it down to like the story that's actually being told and and what the tale of old Hyrule versus the Great Sea and the characters who 
you know, the characters who go back and forth between them and who have history with both places. And, you know, the, the, like we said last week, the pathos and motivation that kind of are behind a lot of our main characters. There's, there's much more mature and, uh, I guess layered storytelling happening here than was happening in say Ocarina of Time, for instance, which was the last, which was the, uh, the, most recent big Hyrule game before this one. Yeah, so the the story is uh, Twilight Princess aesthetic, but the art style is not, right? Like, when it comes down to it, the story can be interpreted pretty dark, and especially when we look at the final confrontation that highlights, like we talked about last week, mm-hmm. um, dealing with grief, dealing with loss, dealing with two monarchs who are either trying to reclaim that lost glory through violence and, um, and, uh, subjugation or a a monarch who has dealt with his grief and is looking forward to the future. Like this, this, I think if the art style were different, you could easily have a very Majora's mask feeling, uh, game yeah art style and music for sure i yeah. think if 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 all of those things were a bit more of a minor chord and and less of the major chord right yeah, and this for game, sure. the presentation is definitely major chord but the story that's being told is one of a failed kingdom that didn't have a hero it was a people that got mas- yeah. massacred by their gods it was unredeemable the gods destroyed this kingdom it's noah's ark everyone you know now is basically a refugee right yeah. like and do you think any of that was intentional because as, as we talk about it so I agree. I think the story is premature and especially near the very end really comes to kind of a dark point. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've got the rest of this, which is in such a contrast, which is the art style. I mean, almost Studio Ghibli. Or yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, you've got that going on and the music. I mean, I'm all listening, listening to sheets. Sea shanties. Wow. (laughs) Say that a bunch of times fast. Uh, But so that is in complete contrast to the darkness of that story. Yeah. And I wonder if they they decided that maybe it'd be too dark if they made that all match. I think that's, yes, I I agree in some ways. And I think that I don't know if it was a intentional choice of trying to lighten up the story via the artwork and the music, or if it was a, um, we just don't want to tell a, another story because the last 3D Zelda game before this was Majora's Mask that was criticized kind of uh, by the fan base for being too dark. Like, I don't, they probably didn't want to double down on that, right? Like, man, if we make this game as dark or darker than Majora's Mask, we're going to kind of start transitioning towards a, a style of Zelda game that a lot of our fan base may not like. So I'm I'm wondering if the design philosophy for art style and everything else was kind of catered around the, the backlash to Majora's Mask aesthetic or not. I'm, and I'm right. curious about that. And I'm also sitting here thinking, I could kind of go for this story and a non-Studio Ghibli style art style artwork and like make it darker. And I don't know if it would be better for me or not, but I would be very interested to see that game. So in my thirties, yes. Yeah. You know, as a, as a 15 year old, probably not. And I wonder if that's, you know, I wonder if they had the story first Mm -hmm. kind of, here's the story we want to tell. And then someone forward thinking said, Hey, let's make this more approachable. How do we tell that story you're wanting to tell without scaring off the 12 year old so yeah the thing that's interesting to me about it is that this game it feels like such a great 
it feels like such a great uh, example of how you can kind of have your cake and eat it too, right? Like the the darkness of the backstory is there, but they also knew the main mechanic they were working with. They knew they wanted it to be a sailing and a sea exploration game, right? Because every Zelda game has this. Like every Zelda game has got its gimmick, right? Yeah. And I know gimmick can sound pejorative. I don't mean it that Not way. Not in a pejorative like, way, yes. Yeah. But like so – It they, has its it has its hook, yes, right? That yeah. They're going for a specific mechanic – or device that is unique to that game. Yeah. So they knew what they were working with. And I feel like the brighter, cheerier atmosphere is essential to making this game feel the way that it should feel based on that hook. Right. Right. But what they managed to do is to have that and also make you feel things about the story as it becomes revealed. Right. And so to your, you know, we were talking earlier about like, was it their intention to have so much darkness in the backstory? And I think that the backstory is just that it's table dressing. I don't know if Nintendo necessarily wanted you to be like shedding tears about ancient Hyrule as you're playing this game um, or to be thinking about like the people that are on the islands as like refugees or like thinking about the suffering of all of their ancestors or whatnot. I don't think that's the point, but I do think that what they were absolutely trying to do is to paint a picture Matt, like you were saying a minute ago, of two monarchs, Ganondorf and King Daphne's, who are basically the linchpins around the around which this entire narrative revolves. Right. And very intentionally trying to tell a story of two people who cannot let go of the past um, and who are and who are complete. They're they're living they're living in a ruined world that will never come back. Right. right. Or, that was a very intentional storytelling beat. And I think. I mean, that's I would I, I hesitate to use the term dark, but that's very adult. Like, yeah. And the only option of making it come back is through erasure of the world that is currently lived in by the people that have lived there for generations and subjugation of same. And like that is not a good thing. Yeah. Like objectively speaking, erasure of what is for a and subjugation to your will of what you want is not a good thing. So like it's it's very um uh light side dark side choice mechanics, right? And and you get that you get that juxtaposition in our final uh conflict between Daphne's and Ganondorf and I, and I love that. Yeah, I mean I think that they very much show the I don't know if foils quite the right word, but they're the opposites of each other. You've got the darkness and the light in Daphne's and Ganon. Um and that really comes to a head. One thing that I would like to point out before we move on is uh, this game feels a lot to me like a lot of the really good Disney movies or like Shrek, where depending on what age you're playing this game, you get different things out of it. 12-year-old me did not get half of this mm-hmm. the first time I played this game. The the stakes going on behind the scenes in this game, the how much is being affected, the depth of the regret and despair of Daphne's or Ganon. And then you play this game again when you're in your thirties and you've got some more life experience and you've actually gone through some real things. Yeah. Gone through some real things. And then you, you play this game and you're like, man, you know, how, how easily could I have been Ganon or Daphne's? Yeah. And you know, you're thinking about, well, man, if I'd lost everything I knew, how hard would I fight to get that back? You know, how much would I care about these 
rando children. <laughs> if I if I had all this responsibility and I just and I completely whiffed it, then how would I feel about but that? But also he didn't whiff it. Like none of this was at, none of this was within his control, right? Like he can't well, he can't control the monsters running rampant, the resurgence of Ganondorf and the fact that when they prayed to the gods for help, the gods' answer was let me flood your whole kingdom and kill sure, everybody. Sure, but he is still the monarch of a failed kingdom. Sure, like, like I mean, he he feels that response he feels that responsibility, but when it comes down to it, I actually am on Ganondorf's side on the you prayed to your gods for help and they just killed you instead. So we'll talk about that more in characters, I think. This was more made to be a, a thing on the the story of the game. I just want to point out that I appreciate that Disney did such a, a not Disney, wow. Um, z- Nintendo. Nintendo and uh, <laughs> Nintendo Japanese Disney Japanese Disney Nintendo did such a good job on the story and gameplay in this that playing it at different points in your life playing it at just different times you're getting different things out of the story which shows that there's a depth that it makes that replayable it makes it replayable and enjoyable for a wide breadth of consumers. Yeah. There, there truly is nothing better than revisiting something that I discovered for the first time in my youth and learning that I love it more and more, the more times that I replay it just because I'm getting like, I, I, I have more context. Um, I have more context on the things that it's saying, you know, like I'm finding new layers and new colors. This is one of the reasons I like star Trek so much. Yeah, right? for sure. Like, like, you know, obviously when I'm a kid, you know, I love watching the ship battles and I enjoy watching, you know, Starfleet dudes fighting the Borg and doing all kinds of awesome stuff. And then the older that you get, you like I keep coming back to it because it's like, yes, that stuff is still great. But like now it's actually making me think and I'm finding new things to love about it. What what kind of video game targeted towards a preteen and teenage audience then makes you think about how you deal with grief as a 30 plus year old? Like, because that's what this game kind of makes you think about is how how are you dealing with grief and loss in, in your own personal life? <laughs> which is so which is so crazy because again, this is a bright and cheerful game with a very endearing personality and like a lot of charm. And I feel like our discussion has mostly centered around the heavy themes that it brings to the table. And it's so, and I just want to say one more time before we move on that I think that's such an incredible balance because you feel cheerful playing this game. Like it is it's almost impossible to have a frown on your face while you're playing this game. Um, and even with that being said, it's 100 percent true. But like this is still the conversation that we're having. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's 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 incredible. It's a great balance of things. It, it is a great balance. I love that I can jump on the King of Red Lions and sail around for an hour or two and listen to essentially sea shanties and enjoy these little islands and then you as long as you bring your own sea shanties, as long as you bring your own shanties. Uh, but no, I the, the music's very upbeat for the most. The part. music is great. But after listening it to listening to it for <laughs> an hour of sailing, I'm like, OK, I could I could do a little something. Else. You have no room to complain, sir. You're absolutely right. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I will fight you. Says the man without the swift sail. Yeah, please, please don't fight me. I would lose. <laughs> so real quick before we move on to characters, I do have a question for y'all. How do we feel about this world, this version of Hyrule? Like we so and and again, this is Max's main thing is that Hyrule itself is a character, which I don't disagree with. So let's talk about Hyrule, the character. And we can for the purposes of this conversation, we're talking about the Great Sea, right? Because Hyrule under the sea is a neat little set piece, but it's not 
it's not the thing. No, right. The great sea. The great sea is the thing. Yeah, the great sea is the thing. Um, and it is like you said earlier, Matt. Depending on how much you like the great sea, is going to impact uh, to a, an incredible degree how much you like this game. Yeah. So I'm going to send it to you first, Matt. Sure. How do you like the great sea? How do you like the world of the Wind Waker? I would say that I really liked the great sea in my first half of my interaction with it. As I was going and filling in the map, that was a fun thing to go do. I, you know, the fishmen or whatever, but like going and having a thing to explore, a thing to accomplish with the great sea was nice. But one thing that I heard so much before playing this game was that the great sea is way more full than the sky in um, Skyward Sword. I mean, it is, though, like so it is if you have the time and inclination to go explore every square to find the one thing that you can do there. And on six of those squares, it is a reef that you go and blow some stuff up and get a chest with generally meaningless nothingness. Mm -hmm. Um, On a lot of other squares, it is a C chart that then takes you to a different square to go drop an anchor and, or uh, to go drop a line to pull something off the the bottom of the ocean. Uh, There are 42 C charts to go find a random spot that is not clearly marked um, to pull something up off the bottom of the ocean that could either be rupees or a piece of heart and you don't know which. And if it's rupees, you're screwed because if you have full wallet, like I did most of the time, you won't if you play on GameCube. <laughs> it's true. Um, like, I think that it was overused in a way. Like, it, it I think that the exploration became a tedious thing for me in the back half because number one, unless you're going for a 100% completion, you don't need 20 hearts. You just don't like combat is not hard enough in this game to require you to get all the pieces of heart. Sure. But that can be said about every any, Zelda, game. every Zelda game. That's absolutely true. Um, you don't need, if you're playing the HD version, you don't need all of the rupees to go, pay uh tingle his exorbitant amount of uh c chart prices if you are not playing the hd game you don't have the fast sale so your transit time is doubled uh you do have to do all of that exploration to get rupees to go pay tingle his exorbitant price so like you're you're doing one of two things if you're playing the hd version you don't need to explore everything and you can if you just like feel like it which sometimes i did sometimes i didn't i did not explore and complete the majority of the islands in the game. I just like, I, because of the scheduling of our podcast, which is something you and I talked about is like, maybe if this wasn't as scheduled as it was, I would have taken more time to leisurely explore Mm. around and to interact with all of the islands and solve their unique puzzles. And the islands that I did interact with and the islands that I solved their unique puzzles on, assuming I could actually solve the puzzle at the point in the game that I was at, instead of wasting two and a half hours doing something that I couldn't even accomplish. Um, they were, they were good. I would say that they were probably better than most of the exploration puzzles you have in Ocarina of Time. It just comes down. It just comes down to how much do you enjoy spending your allotment of game time every week for most adults? You can chalk that up to two or three hours. 
Hmm. How much do you enjoy spending two or three hours sailing to various islands with the hopes that you get there, find a puzzle that you can reasonably accomplish, get a reward that is worth that time investment, and then just keep doing that? And I don't feel like I found enough exploration within the Great Sea to justify spending two or three hours going around and exploring. This is, uh, sorry, I know you're going to say something, Mike. I want to come back once again to, I truly think a lot of, a lot, and your perspective is completely valid, Matt, especially as somebody who played Breath of the Wild before you played Wind Waker. Absolutely. That is a huge thing. So that's what I want to jump in on. I... I have a lot to say about this, and I'm going to try and keep it briefish. Um, so, first of all, my life, my love, and my lady is the sea. <laughs> um, but so I, I so vividly remember playing this game at 12 when this game came out. Yeah, and this game, the exploration, the being able to sail around and have kind of that world is your oyster feeling was amazing. It was the, the first thing I had played like that before I ever played um, Oblivion, Morrowind. It would have been closer to that time. Um, but this was my first taste of something pseudo open world, and I loved it. I ate that up. And so I played this game and thought that exploration was great. I will say playing this game again at 30-ish... <laughs> I'll add the ish in there. Yeah. <laughs> Getting closer to <laughs> shut up. Getting closer to forty than we are to thirty. Not there no, yet. No, no, we're not. We're turning thirty-three this year. Look, that is not closer to thirty than forty. I Simple said we're math. Getting there. We're getting there. Lyndon's really bad at math, and he had issues in college. That's um, true. So <laughs> I, have, I have a successful and fulfilling career. Doesn't mean Thank you. Doesn't mean you're good at math. Um, <laughs> I'm terrible so, at math. <laughs> so, uh, but I will say. <laughs> Playing this game, I love you, <laughs> but uh, oh my gosh, I could tell you stories. Podcast, he really, he but, really uh, could. So but, could uh, I. So going back and playing this game at thirty three ish. Um, so the exploration didn't hold up as well as it did in my memory. I'll say that straight out. But I have been spoiled with games like Fallout. Uh, Skyrim, Skyrim, Assassin's Witcher 3. 3, like I mean, yeah. really anything these days, right? Yeah. Like everything's a dime a dozen open world, Dragon Age, yeah. name your open world game. Sure. But this game did it early and it yep. did it pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, I still have a, a great amount of nostalgia for that exploration. And I love that sea mechanic because I hadn't seen anything like it before. Yeah. Um, so I think that's got to be waved in when did this game come out what did it do for its time period sure well now we're back to that classic conversation of we're we're having to analyze and judge this game based on the world in which it was created and not the world in which we're playing it now yeah. right now we're back to that 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 old chestnut and, so and i think that had i played this game prior to breath of the wild or any of my experience with the other rpgs had i played this game when it came out when i was what like probably 10 it would have been breathtaking and overwhelming and all the things that, you know, they were going for and, and accomplished rightfully so. Um, and I, I knowing the era in which it came out, it is a true, um, it is, is this true front runner for exploration and open world, um, mechanics. And like, that's really cool. I, I still, 
like when I think about my time on the great sea, I think about the times that I was able to point myself in a direction, hit a, and just walk away from my controller for five full minutes and come back and still not be there before I had the fast. Sail. I was going to say, Oh, oh you had, you had sailing issues. Matt? Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. But so then if we're going to do that, Matt's up in his ivory tower, <laughs> his ivory tower of swift sail, his, his, I'm, he's I'm, throwing his peanut shells off the tower and they're hitting you in the head. Like. But I'm glad you said that because if we're going to judge this game on the time of when it came out, this problem is even more pronounced. You're correct. Yeah. Like this problem is, but I don't know that, but I don't know that people were perceiving it that way is the thing. I mean, so here's the deal. Here's the deal to me. I agree with everything y'all are saying. I think that certain amounts of the exploration don't hold up the way that I exactly remembered them to, to your point, Matt, there are a lot of islands on the great sea that are trash. They're missable. Yeah. Um, I think that mood and atmosphere is key. And that is that is something this game is trying to sell you. It is trying to get you in this nautical sea exploration mood, and it's trying to make it feel seamless, right? Mm -hmm. It's trying to make it feel as open as that would be. And I think that when you consider that this is a game from 2002, 2003, it delivers you that feeling as well as could possibly be expected. And I, I, I think it, I think that feeling still holds up the atmosphere mm -hmm. and the, the vibe of the world very much holds up. And I, I find that to be so enduring that it covers a lot of the distance towards the fact that like, yeah, sure. Some of these islands are pretty dinky. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, sure. There are some moments of boredom when you're doing sailing. Right. But mm -hmm. like overall, I think it's a, it's, it's a situation of overwhelming net positives. And I will say just look, just to, to put a pin in this comparison from my own end of things, I don't think there's any competition. The Great Sea is more interesting than the sky in Skyward Sword. Even even if even if tw how many grid squares do we have? Even if 15 or 20 of the islands are kind of boring, You've still got 10-ish islands that are all functioning basically the way shrines do in Breath of the Wild. You've mm. got you've got four that are fairy fountains. You've got several like Skyward Sword has got it's got a game island, it's got your main hub island, it's got one where you can go find Beetle at night, it's got Pumpkin Island, and after that it's got well, it's got the whole Thunderdome, the whole Thundercloud. Yeah, but that's almost like, I mean, Thunder yes, Dome. the Thunderdome. I yeah. like Thunderdome more than Thundercloud. The, the, the Thunderhead. Thunder, Thunderhead, Thunderhead is what it's called. I like Thunderdome more. Yeah, We're so keep it, it. Does, it does have that as well. But what I'm saying is that like. But also the, <laughs> look, I'm not saying the sky is better. I'm not saying that because it's not. The sky is mostly a vast wasteland of nothingness. Like you're absolutely right about that. But the, the. And maybe this was just a failure of expectation setting on my part was I was expecting the great sea to be just like full of things to do all like if, if I went to a square, I'd have something fun to do. And maybe that was a failure of expectation setting on my part. And it didn't really land there. Like what I what I experienced with the great sea was three squares that had mini games that I beat and never went back to. And then I had three or four squares that had shrine esque dungeon puzzle thingies, um, that I beat. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I had like three squares that were great fairy fountains, yep. which I went to 
Yep. And then I had a whole bunch of squares that I did nothing with. Still more to do than Ocarina of Time's overworld. You're not wrong. It's less to do than Majora's Mask's overworld. Uh, um, yes, I think that's that. I think that's right. It's so tough to talk about Majora's Mask but the in problem, the same con- the, the, context so of like you want to you want to say that like it's more to do. Yes, is it when you're talking about one and dones? Because every instance that I just talked about is a one and done. There's no reason to ever go back to those islands, right? Like after you complete an island, you have no reason to ever go back. Yeah. Um, with with Ocarina of Time and and even with Skyward Sword, like you go back at different points in the game, and there are different things there to do, or different people to talk to, different quests that take you to those places, right? So you're revisiting, you're reengaging with, and maybe it's only slightly different. But it's not a one and done and then you never go back and you never think about it again. Yeah, uh, it's a compelling point. And I, I don't actually think that you're wrong in any any major way. Um, I don't disagree with you. Um, I, I, I think the the net result of my the summation of my feelings brings me to a different place about this sure. than it does for you. But like, again, I, I think that you're saying true things right yeah. now. And I'm not saying that the Great Sea is bad. Like there are bad overworlds. Link's uh, uh, Legend of Zelda uh, Link's Adventure. Link's Adventure was a bad overworld. That would be the adventure of Link. Whatever. You know what I mean. Um, <laughs> adventure of Link. Bad Your overworld. Argument's invalid. <laughs> <laughs> adventure of Link. Bad overworld. Like, th- there are bad overworlds. Great Sea is not a bad overworld. Where you, you asked me for my opinion about the Great Sea and... Is that how this started? Yeah. You didn't ask <laughs> okay. for my opinion on the Great Sea. Specifically yes. on the Great Sea. Yes. Um. So... My opinion on the Great Sea is that for its time, it was groundbreaking. It was vast. It was more engaging than the sky. It had more to do. I think it has so much of it that is one and done. Move on. Forget about it. Um, And so many squares that don't even necessitate an exploration And like, it's still good. And knowing the time period in which it came out, you could even say it's great. Yeah. But there are flaws there is what I'm just saying. Absolutely agreed. So we definitely need to move on to some character analysis before too long. Mike, real quick, do you have anything you want to add to the discussion about the Great Sea as a character? Uh, Just love the Great Sea. Um, I, I don't think that anything Matt said is invalid. Yes, there are shortcomings with the Great Sea. For what it was, when it was, it was a pinnacle of exploration to me. Um, I love the sailing mechanic. Um, I think that was kind of ahead of its time. I still, going back after all this time, enjoy sailing. But in, in his defense on this, I will say that after some time with the length of this game, especially with the Triforce quest on GameCube, it does begin to get grating. Um, if... I was playing with the updates with the fast sale and the shortened Triforce quest. I think that I would probably find it even more enjoyable. So there's that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and I do want to point out, and like I said, the first half of my experience with Great Sea was uh, was really, really great. And every episode from the beginning of our season, the first three or four episodes, yeah, sure, sure. I was saying nothing but good things. And I think that holds true. But to Mike's point, after a certain point in time, I was like, Okay, I'm kind of over it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
So let's move on to our conversations. We're still in plot. Let's move on to our conversations about the main characters that we're dealing with here. We always talk about our Zeldas, our Ganons, our Links. I want to start with a conversation about this game's version of Zelda, which I think is probably going to be the most contentious conversation that we're going to have here um, and about where we net out with the character of Tetra. I just want to say that I found Tetra's personality to be very endearing and charming from the very beginning. And with the notable exception of her abrupt change in demeanor that came whenever we get to lower Hyrule, which I, you know, it didn't bother me so much in the moment. And then after hearing Matt and Max and others talk about it, it is like looking back on it, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know if that, that I don't know if that was handled as well as it could have been. It's kind of jarring. It is. Yeah. Yeah. With all of that being said, I think that we've got another, uh, I think that we've got another entry in the, in definitely the good half of Zelda portrayals here. Um, I think that Tetra is a great character with a lot of personality, and I think that I think that the the way that she's able to interact with the story and the things that happen, she's not the Zelda with the most agency that we've ever had in the sure. series, right? Like, and to Max's point, like the back half of the game, she has zero agency. Sure. The, the first part of the game where she's not princess Zelda and she's captain Tetra yeah. is when she has agency. As soon as she goes down and into the chamber of the sword, none. And I do think that her cool moments are definitely front loaded in the game in a lot of ways. Right. Um, I do think her interaction with you in the final battle is great with the light arrow deflection and everything. That's all really cool. Um, but I, I still think it all comes together to create an incarnation of Zelda that stands at least equal to the Zelda chic of Ocarina of Time. I think that's about where it lands I, for me. I thought you were about to say the Skyward Sword Zelda. No, I was going to reach across this table nothing, and slap you in the face. Nothing beats Skyward Sword Zelda. I would have watched that. <laughs> uh, no, so, but I remember very vividly again, a lot of this is hard because it's nostalgia and everything's kind of rose-colored goggles, but I remember seeing this version of Zelda at 12, yeah. right? And it seemed like, oh man, Zelda's so much more badass than she was before. Like, oh, this yeah. is great. She's definitely a more um, vigorous participant, right? She, yeah. She's not the damsel in distress. She, she, yeah, that's exactly, this was the first deviation that, from what I saw of damsel of distress to kind of having her own personality and character, which yeah. to, to me at that point was like, oh man, this, this is really cool. And I honestly looking back on it before I started replaying this game, thought she was a lot more involved and cooler than mm-hmm. not, not, not necessarily uncooler, not cooler, but yeah. yeah, she was a lot more involved in my mind than she ended up actually being in this game because of those first couple scenes. And then the very end, because the, the ends always what leaves the impression on you, right? Sure. For me, the ending of each game kind of really is the big point of how much did I enjoy this game? If the yeah. end, if the ending has a kind of underwhelming, you know, process, sure, I'm, I'm not great on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons that we love Skyward Sword Zelda so much because when you go back and look at her actual arc in that game, she's absent for like most of it, right? Yeah, but but then when you realize what it is that she's been doing behind the scenes, and then she's else, really cool. She's right? awesome. Yeah. So it's kind of, kind of the same, just way earlier and less yeah. with Petra. 
Tetra. tetra. Jeez. <laughs> okay. Yes. Tetra. Uh, so <laughs> now Mike gets to be in our uh, uh, what a phonetics discussion yeah. instead of me. Yeah, we have a yeah. we have a channel for that. So, but you you've got her at the very beginning being very much her own pirate. Imagine you're 13. You're at the the pinnacle of your life. You're in your prime at 13, being a pirate. Man, gal. that is rough. <laughs> <laughs> you got your own salty crew of scallywags, but then. You're all of a sudden told, hey, you're the reincarnation of an ancient princess. Like, you're probably going to be a little bit stunned. You know, what do I do next? And then, not to get into Ganondorf's part of this yet, but that port where she's laying in the bed. And he's kind of stroking her head. And then she's, you know, the next thing you get from her is, oh, I overslept. Right. How much of that was she really aware of? Great, for? great joke, by the way. <laughs> it was. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, it was awesome. But that's her character. And then that wink you get from her, you know, it's, she seems like that sassy. And yeah, I love a sassy chick. Kind of my, a, my girlfriend can attest. Well, not my girlfriend, but kind of a weird aside. I see a lot of my daughter in Tetra. That is actually true. Yeah. 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 I, I could definitely see her being like, sorry, dad, I overslept. Yeah. Give me a wink and then just go fight Ganondorf with Dude, me. <laughs> this, yeah. Uh, she would. Em would totally do that. Oh, for sure. You can say her name. It's fine. Okay. But yeah, no, we would totally go mess up a Ganondorf together. Yeah. Uh, good old Em. She's the best. Yeah. So I... I, so, and your perspective is the one that I'm the most interested to yeah, get here, yeah. Matt, because you were the one I think. I did not like Tetra at the beginning. Yeah. I did not like Tetra at the beginning. I knew she was Zelda from the get-go. Like, I I unfortunately had the Hyrule portion, the Tetra being Zelda portion, and the King of Red Lines being the King of Hyrule portion. I had all of those spoiled for me before I played this game. So, semi-unfortunate for the sake of Pod, but, you know, just kind of the one of the consequences of being a Zelda fan for the last uh, almost three decades of my life, which is all of my life. So uh, all of that being said, I knew Tetra was Zelda, but I did not like Tetra at the beginning of this game. I thought she was callous. I thought she was rude. Like she was past the point of being sassy. She was just straight up like insufferable to Link. And what really drove that home for me was when she looked at Link, who is distraught about his younger sister's disappearance, kidnapping by the bird. And she says, just forget about her. She's dead anyway. Like, no, absolutely not. That is not cool. So Matt, think about this though, in in kind of that background darkness of this game, right? This is a, and no one said it better than freaking Ganondorf right? A bunch of leaves scattered on a pool. So these people kind of have been left to their own devices in a a declining civilization for Mm -hmm. ages. And think think about what kind of person thrives in that. And that would be the callous. Exactly. Me is everything. Totally agree. That doesn't mean that I have to like her character. True. So so are you saying that where you netted out with her character is that you were like in a, in a not favorable place. No, not at all. No? So what, what, so I started out not liking her at all. As we progressed through the story, she started doing things that were more of the, I don't know if she was losing her callousness or gaining hope for the future, or if she was just hiding it at the beginning hope for the future. Okay. Paul McCartney. <laughs> thank you. Um, 
the uh that's a deep destiny deep cut. destiny cut Damn. wow that is like the deepest of destiny cuts. <laughs> that's where destiny meets the beatles and i can't believe i'm saying that <laughs> that is actually a, a thing that happened yes yeah. um the so all of this to say that like char- tetra's character progression goes from this callous in my opinion unlikable self-centered person to she called her a callous tart tart (laughs) which i was told by our wonderful friends in the uk does not mean the same thing in the uk as it does in the u.s does not does not yeah you cannot go you cannot go to the uk and say either tart or fanny you'll get in a lot of trouble yeah can you even put this on like a pg podcast yeah i mean it just means hoe (laughs) <laughs> like that's not a curse word <laughs> yeah let's go with that <laughs> it's not a curse word technically speaking <laughs> gardening implement <laughs> thank you um god you guys are just derailing me here uh lord this is why we don't hang out very much <laughs> none of us can get a thought across um i love my life <laughs> Sorry, Pod. So, uh, so Tetra goes from this callous, self-centered, unlikable character to the next time you really interact with her when you're getting the bombs. She knows you're there and she like fakes that she doesn't know you're there to help you. But you get to see that because, of course, we're not in Link's POV. We're in the we're the God cam. So we know that she's purposefully assisting us. Then we go further into she's purposefully assisting us getting Arrow back. Then we go further into she accepts her role as Princess Zelda holder of the Triforce of Wisdom, which honestly, Triforce of Wisdom to a pirate queen. I don't know if that really tracks that much, but sure, whatever. So, and, yeah, but think of her like this. So she's like a, a neutral good. Uh, yeah. A, a chaotic, chaotic good. She's chaotic. She's good. chaotic good. Yes. She's so chaotic. Good. You've got this like she's all for herself and her crew. She cares yeah. a lot about them. But, but then, then she, she expands her vision right. to the people well first to, to like to link capital t to capital p yeah so at first it goes from her crew and her to link then to all of civilization yeah, really people, quick yeah. and she kind of has to deal with that sure but i think that that's kind of big for her yeah. so where i ended up with tetra slash zelda is i think she did a very meaningful character development exactly the way mike just described it of expanding her field of vision to what's good for me what's good for the people is good for me and like if we uh, a rising tide raises all boats and i think that's kind of where she landed wow. that was the most wind waker thing i've ever heard <laughs> such, that was such a nautical analogy thank you yeah um so and, and her her development obviously i talked a lot about how jarring it was to see her lose all agency and the when she becomes princess zelda and just become a totally different character i feel like she kind of regains that in the final fight with ganondorf back to her mischievous sassy ways and then actually assisting in the fight first zelda to assist in a fight with ganondorf slash ganon i guess you can kind of count ocarina of time zelda who just blasts beast ganon with her little light powers which was also pretty cool um 
And she's like pleading with Daphne's like, come with us, help us rebuild, blah, blah, blah. Like she undergoes a huge character development in the back half of the game to become a very likable character. And the very last scene of her and her crew and Link going together to find the new world where they can, you know, grow was, I think, the the icing on the cake of Tetra has become the Zelda, the leader of the people, and right. that's what we needed. It's almost a coming-of-age story for her, almost. Sure. And did you catch that really... I mean, at least to me, I thought it was kind of a subtle shift. Like, So she's kind of selfish to her and her crew at the beginning. And then think about that facial expressions and that kind of like anime emotion toward the very end. She looks so hopeful mm-hmm. when she's asking King Daphne's to come with them. Yeah. And she seems almost childlike again mm-hmm. from that hardened pirate girl to, yeah. Hey, yeah, you can just come with us and everything will be great. Please help us. Like, and, I want you to be there. Like, yeah. And then he does that really knowing smile of where like, he's almost it's like, not, oh, it's not child. Be for mine. It's not yeah. for me. So before we move on from Tetra slash Zelda, does everybody agree with my placement of the character? Uh, in that we're pretty much equal with Zelda Sheik from Ocarina of Time here. I would say equal for sure. I, I And I, I don't want to say surpasses because I feel like Sheik slash Zelda has more agency within the story of Ocarina of Time. Yeah, and this is so tough because yeah. so often, even though we know, yes, Sheik is Zelda, the way the characters are presented are separate. Characters, it sometimes yeah. makes us think about them in different terms. Sure. And and so that's kind of a tough thing to parse. But, but I, I would say they're definitely par. I, I would say par. It's it's different totality of the circumstances. Sure. I definitely love the Sheik Zelda kind of combo combo is the best way to put it i think but then you've got this tetra growth which is different Mm -hmm. but still beautiful in the same way absolutely cool so here's the here's the big question do we move on to link or to ganondorf we need to end with ganondorf okay cool so let's talk about this game's version of link i think um mike i'm gonna let you go first uh where you at he okay he can sail (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean like i i literally just did the eh, hand gesture and of, to- of total it was very eh, total <laughs> agreement but the thing is i think we've got as we've got a, about as much to work with with this link as we did for all of the links in 3d games prior to skyward sword so i agree with you completely i agree 100 percent with you so Link is always that kind of personification of you, the player, mm-hmm. right? In, in certain ways, yes. And so you you get this, okay, well, Link's obviously defensive of his little sister. Like, who's not? Well, well some people are. From, from the detective version of me, without going into detail, yes, people are trash. Um, but <laughs> but uh, yes, so, but for, for most people, I, I, for the listeners of this podcast, who I all believe to be good, upstanding people, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're going to go to defense of your sister, right? Mm-hmm. And so you've got that very real human interaction and the fact that it's kind of over the top. I think that this version of Link has got a little bit more inherent personality. Well, than, that's just because of his facial expressions. Well, yeah, but there's like effort put into that, right? Like I think it's it's, it's true. Like you do have to take it into account. It's it's part of the game. So describe to me Link's personality via facial expressions from this game. I think that this Link is a is a carefree and optimistic child. I think that you know, I don't want to say there's like a great depth of character here, but I think that there is there's enough to where you can get the sense of like a, you know, just a, just a, a kid, like a, a kid who's happy to be on this adventure, right? And I, I think that that is something. Maybe it's just because the tech available 
was able to convey that for the mm-hmm. first time here, right? Like Ocarina of Time Link has a little bit of expression, but I wouldn't ever really say that Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask Link had much of a personality. No, I don't think he right? did either. Um, and so, like, yeah, it's a goofy personality, but mm-hmm. it but it is there. It does exist. It is portrayed successfully. Well, so the only emotion I've seen portrayed by Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, is really surprise. Surprise. They do yeah. surprise well. So yeah. surprise has been good throughout. But with this link, you get surprise. You get I don't even know what other emotions to necessarily describe to it. Exhaustion, but. anger, frustration, um, grief. I would say grief. You get grief. I would even say like happiness. Elation. Yeah, elation. Whenever yeah. whenever you see like your sister again and things like that. So he's got a much bigger depth of emotion. Sure. Um, but I think you also do get a little character development just through emotion. Mm-hmm. So picture him, that green little link. Oh, and my sister's just been kidnapped by a bird. And he's so optimistic and hopeful. And then you get dashed whenever Ganondorf literally throws you off a tower. And yeah. then I feel like he kind of grows to almost be a little bit, you know, uh, Hard's the wrong word, but he he's uh, he's accustomed to the yeah, adventure. He definitely gets a little bit hardened by his journey. Sure, um, and then you still get surprised throughout. I mean, whenever a well, crazy yeah. ass boss pops in front of you, then yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. or the uh, or the king of red lions sails out of the dark corridor of Ganon's uh, tower, and he's like, yeah, oh, I'd freak too. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah, sure. No, and so I think really the conversation just boils down to look, we've we've got a classic incarnation of Link here. He is mostly a vessel for us, the player, but he's got enough extra to make him a character and, and elevate him past just being an avatar for us. Sure. Right. Um, and I think that's all, I mean, for the most part, that's that's the base amount of what you want from a good version of Link, right? And everything else just comes from how it feels to play him, you know? And from that perspective, this version of Link is fantastic, Right. Like, yeah, uh, just the, the control, the the way that it feels. Oh, to yeah. Be the this the combat of is. Yeah. yeah the sure. smoothness yeah. and the mobility. Yeah. He 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 That's is not a plot thing. But no. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with all of that. I think what we when we really see Link become his own character. And I think we we talked a little bit about this in our Q and A episode. When when we see Link become a character above and beyond just a vessel for the player, I think starts in Twilight Princess. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I, th- I, I think I think Link has enough motivation uh, and characterization from what I'm remembering within Twilight Princess to separate him because in Ocarina of Time, the only motivation he had was the Deku tree told me to go do this thing. Sure. But like in this game, he's got the same motivation as he does in Twilight Princess. He has a close friend or family member that has been captured. In in Twilight Princess, he has an entire village. Well, but he was, has an entire village. He's got, and then he gets the, the shard of twilight and he gets the Midna and he gets, he gets like all of that. I right? need to, I, I I'm going to postpone completely 100% disagreeing with you on this until I've replayed twilight princess. But off the cuff, what I'm going to say is that I think, uh, I think the better 
analogy or I think the better uh, the better line in the sand to draw is Skyward Sword. Well, yeah, obviously, you know how I feel about Skyward Sword Link. Like, yes. Well, yeah, but I think I said where he starts getting. I'm not saying where he's fully realized. I still think it's Skyward Sword. I think I think Skyward Sword is a hard line in the sand at which point Link is his own character. Link is his own character. And it's completely like the, the all of the energy is being put towards making him his own character. And there's very little consideration or need to make him feel like just an avatar of you, the player anymore. Okay. I think that's all personally up to the player playing the game because I feel like in this game you can put as much or as little of yourself into this link as you want. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I say you have a sister or say you're just really empathetic. Mm-hmm. This could mean a lot to you or it can mean nothing. Yeah, it, It's just kind of Nintendo has put that hook out there for you to either bite on or not bite. Sure. And I thought that was actually really cool um, of how much do you want to get into this character and the sass of you know not only him but also the characters that interact with him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, do we have anything else to add to Link? I mean, just a just a solid version of Link, basically, right? Like solid. Not, okay. Cool. So let's get on to talking about Ganondorf. And uh, we got King King uh, Daphne's. Well, we, I mean, we we will talk about the companion character also. We we generally have a line or two for a companion character, but I feel like it's fair. much more important in this game. Okay, to well, actually dedicate. So if we're going to do that, then we should we should, we should, we should they, do they that. Should do it together. We, they, should, okay. we should do it together because they're they're foils. Okay, so let me start off this section by saying that in regards to Ganondorf, I think this is the Ganondorf portrayal to beat mm-hmm. for sure. I don't think anything. 1,000% agreement. I don't think anything else even comes close. I'm going to say this is the Thanos of Zelda. I mean, I actually totally agree with you. I think it's a fantastic. Yep. I think it's a really good comparison because when you look at the character motivations for each, they're not necessarily similar, but like the, path, the pathos behind them is is there, right? So like jumping in with that kind of comparison in mind. So you've got, I mean- I know that this is not a Marvel podcast in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. but quick Thanos, you've got a person who has a somewhat relatable goal using the wrong means to get that goal. Ganondorf is exactly the same thing in my head. He has a relatable goal of, I've lost this world beneath, which was all I've ever known. My family lived there. All the people I ever knew lived there. Um, that's my memories. And now I've been kept alive for, what, a thousand years? Yeah. And all I've by had myself, basically. Like, oh, yeah. So did he build that entire tower by himself, like stone by stone? That that's the assumption we're proceeding under. So he's he's nuts at this point. Right. If yeah. I if I'm alive a thousand years, I would be a terrible vampire because with all that time <laughs> I would go freaking crazy. Yep. Um, so you've got this guy who's down there for a thousand years beneath the sea. Just like, cool, I guess I'll put a bunch of rocks together and make me a tower. Probably didn't know how to build a tower. I doubt he was a stonemason <laughs> before he did this. Yeah. Well, also he has magic, so like I I'm don't. sure I'm sure magic helped a little bit. Yeah, magic helps me all the time. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> Mike the Wizard. That's what we Mike call Mike the Wizard, not a detective anymore. But so you, you got all this. He's gone pseudo insane in his grief and regret under the sea. He comes above, and he's no angel. Like he's a terrible person. Uh, I don't think that's changed throughout most of Zelda history, but he's got a very relatable goal. And so then you've got him trying to do this. And then all the mannerisms of the him stroking Zelda's head when she's down there imprisoned in his camp, 
Mm-hmm. That's like a very fatherly protective move. Mm-hmm. He says, I have no intention of killing either of you. I just want my Triforce pieces. Yep. Um, I really think that either he has grown so insane with time that he's almost unrecognizable or he's mellowed so much with time that he's almost a human character again. Right. Versus his demonic character. Yeah. And I think it, it's so interesting to me because we're talking about a game that came out in 2003 in North America, 2002 in Japan. And I think when we talk about these other main characters, Zelda and Link, we have got incarnations of those characters that have surpassed this games by quite a lot. Sure. Uh, you know, we've got we've got Skyward Sword, Link and Zelda. We've got Breath of the Wild, Link and Zelda. Like mm-hmm. we've we've like those characters have continued to mature and have more and more layers the more that time has gone on. The same cannot be true, uh, cannot be said of Ganondorf. Absolutely accurate. It's not it's not the case in Twilight Princess. Nope. He's, he's not even present in Skyward Sword. It's Demise. Yeah. And as much as Max may dislike Demise, I like Demise. I, I think... But I still think that Demise is just... He's not He's not as characterized as Ganondorf. No, There's no, d- no doubt. Demise is a character who's hanging around being evil to be evil. Right? Sure. Um, and then in Breath of the Wild, we have obviously got a completely dehumanized version of Ganon, right? And so... In some ways, it's interesting because accepting Twilight Princess, this is the last time that we've really gotten a look at Ganondorf the man, you know? Yeah, that, that's true. Um, and I think that that opportunity was not wasted at all. Uh, I would love to believe that there's a world in which Ganon or Ganondorf as a character might gain more layers than even are presented in this game. Yeah. They're not going to stop making Zelda games anytime soon, so I've got to believe that this is something we'll come back around to. But for now, I think that this is the, the tippity top of the pile, um, and it's it's not even just it's not even just the plot, it's not even just the arc of the character or the way that he's portrayed. It's the it's the interactions that we have with him. It's the is that he's actually a character. It's the fi- like the final battle is fantastic. You know, it's just every every moment that you every moment that you spend with Ganondorf on screen in this game is a, a golden moment, in my opinion. Yes, they're they're all fire. Um, they're not they're not scattered throughout the game as much as some other games. You know, it's kind of few and far between when you're actually seeing Ganondorf. So I think they really capitalize on that. But he's so humanized. Again, he's a monster. Yep. You know, he's not a good person, but he really gets that kind of you can understand his motivations more in this game than I think in any other Zelda game I've played. Well, that's what makes a that's good villain. totally true. That's what makes a truly good villain. Right. Yeah. It's like, understandable and relatable motivation. Again, the Thanos. Yep. Like, yeah. Yeah. Could you benefit from having half or, the people gone or the con or? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's other good representations of a of a relatable villain, but I think they did a good job of this. And we got to remember, this is back in 2012, 13, you know, you, release dates aside. Yeah. No, that's no. 2002. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Sorry. Numbers are hard. Um, <laughs> but no, so. I'm just saying, you know, long before some of these other tropes, I'm not con, but yeah. So you've got that. And then his fight is also really cool. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's as great as the gear him demise. Totally agree. Fight. Yep. But it's still a really freaking fun. It's really fight, good. Right. Yeah. It's better than tennis. Better than tennis. Is it better than Ocarina of Time Ganon? I like this yes. fight more. 
Yeah, I, I like think the, the mechanics of the fight are, are more fun. I like this more than Ocarina of Time. I like, the, I like the music of Ocarina of Time Ganon. The mu- well, the, yeah, the, the of music, course. Yeah. The music's good. And the, the aesthetic of that, think, the, no. the, the, the lightning and the fire and the, yeah. So awesome. that was really great when I played it. But the aesthetic, the aesthetic of this fight, the with the water coming your down, whole and, world is collapsing on you, yeah. and you are just in your last dish effort to beat the big bad, and he is pretty much. And I love his characterization in this movie too. Not movie game, <laughs> but uh, so have, have you watched many like Japanese traditional films with the old samurai? What like the Seven Samurai or yeah, yeah. I mean, anything like like, like K- that Kurosawa thing. stuff. So he he is the old samurai master. He's kind of portly, got a beer belly, but he's super skilled. And he shows you that in the first ten seconds of his fight when he completely whoops you without drawing a sword and says, "Okay, hey, I really don't want to kill you. I just want your Triforce piece." <laughs> and you're like, well, "Which I loved that about him. You just boofooed me." And now and there's nothing I could do to stop you. No, you, he he whooped you, and then you see the madness. Whenever the insanity. Oh, yeah. whenever King Daphne's wishes on the Triforce and takes tri-force, it away from him. That laugh. Go back if you. It's hit, just, it lasts so long. Oh, if you haven't played this recently and you're still listening to this podcast, please go YouTube that laugh. He sounds so insane. Like, imagine that something you've worked for for a, a thousand Literally years. Literally a thousand years, yeah. Finally is within your grasp. And then within the span of three feet, somebody takes this from you. They wish upon the Triforce that you have, you've put everything in motion. You've mm-hmm. done all the he work. He did all the work. And then they take it from you. You would snap. Any human being would snap at that point. And he does. He 100% snaps. And I think because he snapped is the reason you're able to actually fight him on any kind of actual f- plane instead of him just, just destroying you, you. Yeah. Because he's so broken at that point. And also the Daphne's wish is to for these children to have a future. Right, so yeah, I think there's a safety power. net. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like this is a really good time to get into our conversation about our companion character. And I don't want to move on from Ganondorf too quickly because this is such a great version of the character, but we've already said that we've, we've got two sides of a coin here, right? Ganondorf and Daphne's are two sides of a coin in the story that this game is telling. And so I feel like it's very appropriate to now bring in our companion character, Daphne's Nohansen Hyrule, uh, the King of Red Lions. Um, Matt. Yes. Let's go ahead and just talk rankings. I mean, where does Daphne's live for you in the pantheon of Zelda companion characters? That's an interesting question because I think King of Red Lions is really cool in his cutscenes, but as a companion throughout your actual quest, when you're not sailing, and even when you are sailing, if you're not in a cutscene or a cinematic or a storytelling beat, he's not really present. Well, people who got people who were annoyed about by Navi about and Navi like would say that that's a good thing. Yeah, he's sure. also your boat. Like yeah, you're riding him you're riding everywhere him for sure. But Fee is your sword. You're swinging her around. I love Fee. I also love Fee. Um, yeah, I think like story beat wise, Daphne's is just awesome. Like he has the most impact on the main story of the game. Like so much more than any other main 
character main side character ever like he is um Mm, i don't know if that's actually true who do you think has more i think midna has more uh yeah that's actually a good point i I think midna fee and daphne's are in this like kind of tumultuous race of because you know what you can say is that there is no master sword without fee Uh, i think sure i think that's fair so there's no salem without king of red lions also true i mean i'm sure you could get another boat like if It'd the story demanded it it would yeah. definitely be subpar but all, all of this to say that like daphne's is awesome and like I, I think we sung his praises ad nauseum in last episode about the development that goes from a character who's very obviously manipulating you for their own ends at the beginning of the game to a character that um in the moment of choice and in the moment of dichotomy chooses um you over his own desires and uh the future over the past um which is what ganondorf was never able to do yeah and so like you you look at it that way and daphne's is just like way up there so what i'm gonna say is that in my mind daphne's is currently especially from a narrative standpoint is my number one favorite companion character uh i'm reserving final judgment on that until Until after midna yeah, until after our Twilight Princess, uh, because to me, the big battle is between Daphne's and Midna. Sure. Um, everything else after that is. And I love Fee, is, but I think Daphne, sure, I think Daphne's is better than and, Fee. And, you know, like, I, and I would put Fee and, and Tattle probably on a level. I love Tattle. Yeah, Tattle's, Tattle's great. Tattle's better than Navi. Yeah, sure. Not, it's not, not. Navi. Not. Damn it. Uh, he did it. <laughs> he did it yeah. again. Tattle's better than Navi. So, but yeah, you've got this. <laughs> You've got a weird deal. with. I'm trying to help Matt recover here. Thank you. Uh, so you've got this weird deal with King Daphne's. King of Red Lions is okay for 90% of this game. And then when he becomes King Daphne's. But King Daphne's at the end. <laughs> is so man, awesome. It, pinnacle. Like, so yeah. you, you've got this. You've got a little growth with him. Like He's kind of getting more and more used to Link. He gets accustomed to Tetra. And then at the very end, he has planned his, I, I think that he's planned his re-takeover of Hyrule for a thousand years and what he's going to do, how he's going to do things better the second time around. But then he looks down at these two children that he's helped mentor and see kind of come of age. And he says, you know what? Nothing I've planned for a thousand years matters. Yep. Give them hope sink this ship let's do this yep. and man that's so big in my yep. head it's huge that and really the scene that got me and made me shed the tear in this game um is whenever link because you he's been your companion through the entire game link reaches out he to him reaches to try out to, to him, him in this little bubble and king daphne's reaches up just for a second and then he kind of knowingly Puts his hand back down and bows his head. Yep. And he understands that his time is done and it's their time now. And that really kind of hit me in a weird way now at 30 something. As I a dad. I don't think I felt this same way. No. I still thought it was a really awesome ending at 12, 13. But man, now it hit me hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I completely agree with all of that. I I think that it, it's one of those instances where I don't want to elaborate on it too much because it's all left right there on the screen. 
you know, this, sure. this all speaks for itself. Um, I think anybody who actually played this game all the way through and saw the ending knows how good of a job was done here. And it's, <clears throat> it's doubly impressive because the King of Hyrule is a character that traditionally has, you don't see, you don't see and has not had a lot of development. Obviously we're kind of spoiled now because we have both Daphnis and King Rome, right? Yeah. I'm watching your cat drink water by dipping her paw in the water and then licking it off of her paw. Yeah, she's weird. But all that is to say, I, I think that this is the start of a really cool tradition. I hope we see more Kings of Hyrule. Going I forward. love the Kings of Hyrule. Yeah. Um, but I think that this was a really great starting point and a really great character. They make for great flawed uh, heroes. Yeah. I think they really make for good flaws. Yeah, they've heroes. all got issues, you know, sure. like issues of like adequacy and familial relationships yeah. and all kinds of stuff, you yeah. know. How so. do you balance regency with paternity and et cetera? Yeah, like sure. it's, it's all there. Yeah. Um, I think that the Fee's farewell or Fi, however you pronounce it, I, we've always pronounced it Fee, so I don't really want to start changing that. But so Fee's farewell still impacts me more emotionally than the ending with uh, King Daphne's. Mm. And I think that's just because like, like you said, Mike, and I think that, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think some of that comes from being a father and, and seeing, you know, children taking up the mantle and moving on and, and, and being the future. And I, I don't have that perspective. So for me, the, the loss of a, trusted and loved and treasured companion over the loss of a father figure. I've never experienced the loss of a father figure or a, or a mentor. So just for me, where I'm at in my life stage is the, the loss of a treasured and beloved companion hits a little more close to home at, at my current stage of life. And that's the beauty of it, Matt, it, depending on your personal life experience, the way Nintendo has set this up, yeah. Leaves it so much room for you to feel different feels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. 100% agree. Does anybody have anything else that they want to say about the plot of this game before we move on to the next section? I say the motion of moving on to the next section. Great plot. Good tea. <laughs> Good tea. Nice, nice house. It's <laughs> a Star Trek joke Worth. for those who don't get it. <laughs> the goat. Michael Dorn, you legend. Um, all right. With all that being said, let's move on to part two, which is where, and, and just for reference, I know we, we're an hour and some odd minutes into well, this Well, we whole kind thing. of already did the characterization, which I think is part three. Oh, no. Part three is best item. Characterization all happens in plot. So, oh, okay. So we're going to okay, have okay. not necessarily a lightning round, but it's going to be a little bit more brief between now and the ranking, which Fair. is probably not going to be brief. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's get into part two, which is best dungeon. And let's just go around the table real quick. Mike, I'm going to let you go first. I like the very first dungeon the best. The uh, Dragon Ooh. Roost Cavern. Dragon Roost Cavern. I like. I love Dragon Roost. The Cavern. introduction, the gameplay, the boss. It all just does it for me. It kind of epitomizes this game's somewhat silly nature, with the the tail being constantly bit. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's still fun, and I had a blast playing it. I think it's so funny because Dragon Roost Cavern to me is probably like Zelda games have done a lot of dungeons in fiery caves. Right. Dragon Roof Cavern to me feels the most like, oh, this is just a volcanic cave. Right. Like it feels more authentic as being a natural space and less of like, oh, this is a dungeon that a game designer made. You know, I just came into a volcano. I didn't come into some 
scripted dungeon so much yeah uh i i actually don't think that it's probably an exaggeration to say that dragon roost cavern is the best first dungeon of any zelda game how do you feel about that matt i agree yeah dragon roost being the best first dungeon totally agree okay cool um matt best dungeon for you this is this is kind of hard because it's i it's it's between two for me it's tower of the gods and earth temple yep those are those are the two best dungeons in this game, in my opinion. Um, and I think just for the fact that it is not an escort dungeon, <laughs> Tower of the Gods takes it. OK, I respect that. I think that Tower of the Gods has some great puzzles. The uh, command melody definitely leads you into some places where you're having to kind of think through a lot of the, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the solutions. And I just and love the aesthetic of the tower of the gods it's and, it, and it's a recurring aesthetic. And we even mentioned it last episode where it was, we go back to the tower of the gods before we go down to the buried kingdom of Hyrule or what's, what's the other version of buried for underwater flooded. Fl- yeah, sure. Whatever. But it's not flooded because it's not full of water. Anyway, it right. doesn't matter. Um, before we go subsumed, t- I like that subsumed version of Hyrule submerged. There we go. Submerged version of Hyrule. And like just even the exterior of the Tower of the Gods is so incredible. And it's so it's landmark. It's pivotal. It's it's the pivotal point of the game. And it, I think, is just excellent. Yeah, I well, and of course, the aesthetic obviously kind of ties back to some things that we really liked about Breath of the Wild, right? With like the techno yeah, fantasy yeah, yeah. stuff and that and that doesn't hurt either. Um, I agree. Uh, Tower of the Gods was a really fun time. You know, I was really between those two as well. And I guess I'll just go Earth Temple <laughs> just because <laughs> just for the sake of doing something different. Um, I enjoy the Earth Temple a lot. I like its vibes. I like how creepy it is. To me, it's a more successful Shadow Temple than the Shadow Temple. Really? Yes. Why, why more? Because it manages to be creepy in a Zelda way without really going overboard. To me, the Shadow like, Temple is just like way to the other direction. Yeah, yeah. To me, the Shadow Temple is way too like gory party city gone wrong. You know, like <laughs> um, it's uh, it's it's the movie Scream. Yeah. Or like your next door neighbor who likes Halloween too much as front yard, you know, like. Uh, yeah, I get that. Yeah. I love the Shadow Temple back I in the day. I love the Shadow Temple, too, but. I'm one of those guys who really likes Halloween. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's where it started. <laughs> but oh, look, I, I get the criticism, though. I do, because, like, really, it takes... Zelda is not a gory or over-the-top, scary type of game. It never has been. But then Shadow Temple says, but what if it was? And right. then just, yeah. like, says, we, tor- bodies. we like- tortured people to death in this room, and their bodies are literally lining the wall. So- <laughs> Shadow Temple to me always felt like, hey, guys, we're pretty busy with this game, Zelda Ocarina of Time. Let's rent out one temple to, like, a subcontractor and just let them do their own thing. And then some subcontractors just like, you know what? We're going all in on spooky. Dark. Yeah. <laughs> as dark as you can possibly but me, imagine. But to me, the Earth Temple, like, it feels feels like a haunted Zelda temple without being too overboard, but it's also got some incredible puzzles. I mean, the uh, the mirror shield puzzles and the light based puzzles that happen in the Earth Temple to me were probably the puzzles that required the most mental energy in the whole game. I I actually agree with that. I agree with it, too. Part of the reason I picked uh, the first temple with Valu is because I knew that y'all would pick these temples. So I, wanted, I think that's fair. I want to be that guy. Thank you. But no, I really did enjoy the Earth Temple too, and it, it felt really right. And I think it was kind of the, both the pinnacle and the high point before the low point necessarily of the temples. 
I actually totally agree with you. I think it was the the, the peak, and then after was just a, just a drop into the abyss. Yeah, the Wind Temple was not anything special. Horrible. Yeah, not great. Um, okay, so... I think it's in the bottom like rung of dungeons in all of zelda for of me. 3d dungeons for sure yeah that's fair yeah. you, you kind of have to separate them i agree bit, yeah like, the, it, it is if we're just separating between 3d and non-3d it's probably my least favorite 3d dungeon of all time that you've played so far correct this. yeah okay cool. correct yeah maybe jabba jabba's belly uh yeah no even that no i think it's worse than jabba jabba's belly yeah. it's definitely better than the water or the water temple is definitely better than the wind temple there's no doubt about that no yeah. doubt no yeah. doubt yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's move on to part three, which is best item, where we talk about the item that we collected that we had the most fun with throughout the entire game. I think Matt's and my answer is the same. Uh, Boomerang. That boomerang rocks. That boomerang is nuts. It is so good. I love it. It is the second best boomerang in any Zelda game. Other than the Link's Awakening one that just one-shots everything, that boomerang is the bomb yeah it's great i kept it permanently equipped it's just so useful against basically every enemy that you fight in the game it either outright kills them or, or just it stuns, stuns them. them like even those freaking stalfos right yeah like, it does it stuns the you stalfos can, you can insta stuns yeah you know, like you can uh you can infinity stun these stalfos and you can never get hit by them just as long as you're hitting them in the head with the boomerang you're good to go it's such a such a great item and i think Easily the best version of the boomerang in in a 3D Zelda game. The boomerang in Ocarina of Time is not nearly this good. The Gale boomerang in Twilight Princess is not nearly this good. Um, you can't really count Breath of the Wild boomerangs because they're more... They're just like swords, more or less. Yeah, like, yeah sure. They don't count. It's a different thing, but yeah, definitely This boomerang, boomerang was insane. Yeah. For the sake of pod, I'm going to go ahead and say... Not the boomerang, because I love the boomerang. <laughs> of course you love the boomerang. <laughs> I am going to say the grapple hook. I actually also love the grapple so hook. I think it's a interesting gameplay mechanic. I, I love the swinging things using a grappling hook. I felt like a pirate. And yeah. They yeah. yeah. Yep. I felt like Indiana Jones. But yeah, 100% with this grapple hook. And I love the ability that you can steal things from your enemies in this game with the grapple hook. Yeah. I felt like that was really fun. I enjoyed it throughout. I got a lot of cool items. And it's also I got to say something besides the boomerang. I think it's it's so interesting because to me, the grapple hook is like it could have just been a less cool version of the hook shot. But what it actually good sound, what it actually ended up being was kind of a more fun version of the hook shot. Like this game's hook shot. It looks awesome, but it sucks. But it's a little boring just by virtue of the fact that it's following the grapple hook. No, that's the thing. Like the, the grappling hook is cooler. I wish they would have had a different item other than the hook shot. You should have been able to just like upgrade the grapple hook to do what the hook shot does. Yeah, like you should have agree. had a separate item. So I think the grappling hook should have been your main moving mechanic thing for this entire game. And they should have, yeah, either upgraded it and given you like the golden hook shot, uh, the golden boomerang or what grapple, am I saying? Grapple here? hook. Grapple hook. The golden grapple hook or like the mechanical grapple hook and like attach that to like some kind of wrist launcher like the Mandalorian and you launch this uh, wrist grapple. Yeah, Mandalorian. Ah, Mandalorian. Oh, we're so close. But uh, <laughs> anyway, this is the way. This is the way. Um, so I, I really love that item. And there was nothing more fun than being able to steal like some joy pennants or some stuff off some bad guys. Yeah. Well, that was that was really cool. And to be fair, that's a mechanic that hasn't really been replicated in Ever. Zelda game since then. You know, I want to give an honorable mention in this game specifically to bombs. 
because you can have the cannon on King of Red Lions. And that is pretty great. And that is super fun. Yeah. I love the cannon. So yeah. and I love the cannon on the GameCube version, even though, so you don't get the aiming mechanic. You don't get the aiming? The little dots. The do- you don't have the dots? It is all. How do you know what you're shooting? Oh, it's all up here. It's all in my head. <laughs> oh my I'm pointing gosh. to my head, uh, pod family. Um, so no, you visualize your target. You take aim. And you just let her rip, and you hope you did it right. No wonder you needed 99 bombs in the GameCube version. Jesus. 99 bombs, and you don't hit one. Um, but no, it... <laughs> 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 but it was a lot... a dork. <laughs> I know. <laughs> don't hate me. Um, but no, I, I like the bombs, too. We have a Zelda podcast. We are not going to hate on yeah, dorks is, and is, nerds. This is not a hater podcast. I like it. Um, no, but... Also, in that same vein, with the grappling hook, you use it as your treasure mechanic, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Yes, it gets a little redundant. Yes, do I, I enjoy picking I up think, stuff off? I'm sorry. Continue. Oh, you can interrupt me. You better continue now. I uh, I think that is my least favorite mechanic in the entirety of the Wind Waker. So I I say I understand where you're coming from. With a little bit of effort, I think it could have been really cool like some some really interesting items on the bottom of the the floor right, but it's just 50 rupee pieces or like a and introduce a mechanic where it's kind of like fishing like okay well i've hit some tension if i don't back off right now it's going to break the line mm-hmm. or something that could have been really cool but just yeah reeling stuff up yeah. from the bottom of the floor was not uh doing it for me yeah it's my least favorite mechanic in the whole game fair enough it does it gets mundane quickly i think it was mundane the first time Honestly, like yeah, it's, it's the first really, time I did it was fine. The saving grace is that the item has a a more fun purpose outside of just that. Like it's sure. dual purposes. And oh, so no, that I'm just makes talking about the mechanic, not the item. OK, yeah. All right. So, OK, there you go. Let's go ahead and move on into part four, which is best music, where we go around the table and figure oh, out what everybody's oh, best musical. This is a hard one. This game has really good it's music. It's so good. It's really good. And look, here's the deal. Uh, how do you beat the Dragon Roost Island theme? But also, there's Daf- There's the King of Hyrule Lost, the last one, Emotional as Hell. Windfall Island, very good. Even the exploration music is just, excellent. Just the overworld theme. The, the overworld theme. The main yeah. theme is amazing in this game. The main theme Are you is. About the title theme? Yeah, like the, the title theme. Like, literally, I would sit there and listen to that, and it would, like, run the little thing that it does, and I would back out of it and listen to it some more because, holy cow, that is so good. I did that the whole way here tonight. <laughs> I mean, honestly, look, there is not. I don't think there's a bad piece of music in this game. There's not. I agree. I agree. There's only one other game I can say that about, and that is probably Skyward Sword. There's not a bad piece of music yep, in either actually, of those games. Actually, that's fair. Skyward Sword's music was a consistent high point. I think those two games have consistently the best music of the whole series. Like, it's just, it's so good. Okay, that being said, you, you've got to pick one. I'm going to pick the title theme. The title theme? I, like, it is no, such... I'll pick something else. That's the only one I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. I can't like I can't in good conscience pick what is not my favorite. And as much as I like Dragon Roost Island and as much as I like Windfall Island and as much as I even like the exploration overworld, like the title theme, anytime that plays like it got me in the mood to play this game. And like 
it, it was like, even when I didn't necessarily want to, like when I was making myself play it for the pod, cause we had to, and like, I just, I just may not have been in the mood that day. Matt, right. I'm not trying to interrupt you, but yeah, same energy. Yeah. There was several times where I'm like, it's just like not I'm, in the mood to do it. I've got to do this for the pod. I'm going to fire up the GameCube. The wife's as soon as it already plays. mad at me for turning on the TV in the room. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Okay. Let's that's Zelda. Yeah. After I hear this title theme and yeah. it, it gets you in the it mood. Does. It, it I, sets the tone it, for the exploration, yeah. the sea theme. They, they, they played that well. They did. Like as soon as that would play, I let, I would let it play for 10 seconds. And I was like, all right, I'm in. Let's do it. And if I was having an especially bad day, like maybe I had a bad day at work or I fought with a girlfriend or whatever, I was just like, I let it play like the full way through. And then I was there and like I was focused on the game and it got me where I needed to be to be invested in the world. And that main title theme, I think, man, I don't know if it's better than Ballad of the Goddess or not, but it is at the very least tied. It is it is there. Have that you, is high praise for me. Super high praise. Yeah. Have you seen the Rick and the Morty? I have not seen the Rick and oh, the Morty. Man, there, I've seen Rick and Morty all the way through to current, but I don't know if you're referencing a specific episode. No, that's 100. No, percent I mean, oh, Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I've seen all of Rick and have Morty. Have you seen yes. the one where he's like, "Son of a B, I'm in." <laughs> yes, that's that's this exactly. <laughs> Son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly. Well, what we're bleeping the. Sh- because I think I've never bleeped bitch. I don't think. I think you can say that. You should probably bleep bitch. That's anyway, probably not a great word. That's, that's this yeah, song shit is probably okay, but bitch is not good. <laughs> well, now you're proposing a philosophical change to my bleeping system. <laughs> We're sorry for all the bleeps, but no, that's 100 percent this energy. I'm yeah. I'm kind of like okay. I guess I'll get on the game. I hear this song. I'm like. Son of a bee, I'm, I'm in. in. Let's go. <laughs> no, like, it man. really is. It's so it's fantastic. So good. And it's great because so both the title music and the overworld music, I'm comparing now to Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Ocarina of Time has got excellent title music, excellent overworld music. Agreed. I, both of these are better than those. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Absolutely. Which both of insane. these. Which is insane. It's, it's nuts. Insane. Also. But I think it's true. Also. Better than Majora's Mask's overworld music. Yeah, but uh, Majora's Mask's overworld music is just a redux of the classic. Like, Agreed. Yeah. I don't like so. it that much. But Well, it's fine. I, I like it because of is it better, the homage. Is it better than Clock Town? Uh, you can't compare them because we're talking we're talking overworlds and titles, not hub towns. But the, the title music to Majora's Mask is... There's no the t- intro of Clock Town. There's no title music to Majora's Mask. It's just the mask. Rotating. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You're right. Oh, man. Yeah. Now I feel dumb. I like Clocktown's music better than Windfall Islands. Absolutely. Clocktown music is possibly my favorite in the okay, entire so, series. Okay, so Mike's, Mike's, anyway. Mike says the title music. I say the title music. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just, I, I'm going to say Dragon Roost. Dragon Roost Island. I think that that is like, in the in the grand tradition of like Tao Tao Heights and all those Zelda tracks that are just like a, a whole bop. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dragon Roost Island is man. It is just so is so catchy, it and is. and I love it even more now that it's been like redone in Breath of the Wild as the Rito Village theme. You know, I yes. lo- I love that it's actually carrying forward 
and becoming like a, a thing and a theme that's associated with a race in this series. Uh, it's great. Um, no wrong answers here, honestly. Like there was truly no wrong way to answer this question. So, uh, yeah. And honorable mention, I think we can all agree, goes to Farewell Hyrule King, which is the version of the Hyrule Castle music that plays while oh. Daphnis is being submerged yeah. by the ocean. That's the deal. There, you know it's a good problem when you have a hard time picking your favorite. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So hold on. Farewell, Hyrule King. It sounds like the um, music in Hyrule Castle in yeah, Breath of the Wild. That's, yes. Uh, not in Breath of the Wild. In uh, in like a Link to the Past and. But bum 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 bum. Why don't we just play it that way? We're not having to like Here. sing it. I'm, I'm like googling it right now. Let's move on to part five, which is best blue betrayal, where we talk about the side quest that we had the most fun participating in or, or the thing that we had the most fun doing in this game that was diverting our attention from the main storyline. I'm jumping in here to tell you about the least fun I had, but the most fulfillment. That's not the category. No, it's the category. I'm telling you like it is. Okay. The Deku tree side quest where you're helping all the little Deku dudes plant their plants on the GameCube. This quest bleeps, but you did it. I did it. And you know what? You have to do it perfect or it just don't work. I remember whenever I first played this game, I did it. It took me probably four or five days to do this quest. I looked up on this one, the order in which you had to do the islands and the the decus to get it and you can there's zero room for error on the gamecube you have to do it perfectly um there's i mean you have to sell right there jump out no fumbling and i did it i did a big woot because one of those you have to go through like a little mini dungeon to get up to the 100 percent. yeah and i yelled a little when i finished it and my children were concerned as well as it should be. And we we did it, though. But it was... Uh, I do not enjoy it. I, like Matt said last week, I believe, the the overall kind of theme of it with the... You're doing something for the Deku Tree that might eventually create that new Hyrule. Right. Is why it's so important to me. Even though there's really very little reward for this quest in-game. It's sure. more of a thematic element. I despise and love this quest we all played this game a little bit for the lore mm -hmm. and there was a pretty good lore hook for us to be doing all of this right matt stop well i'm petting your dog okay i completely agree with you it was fun um i, I was felt it um well i mean for me it was i mean i had that fast sale and that made it pretty easy i had no fast sale and uh, 10 less minutes yeah yeah uh so for me i'm gonna go with the hmm, yeah uh, this is kind of tough uh i actually i really enjoyed relighting the windmill 
the lighthouse, mm-hmm. you know, I like the whole little Ferris wheel thing that happens there. Um, and then, of course, you get a piece of heart out of it, which is, yeah, it's whatever, I guess. But it's always fun to me when you've got like major landmarks within the within the Zelda world and you can affect them in some way. Yeah. And this windmill is pretty iconic to this game. And so starting it back up and and uh, having the spotlights go out from it, that was a that was a fun little moment, um, you know. I will also say that the uh, the bomb mini games, Sploosh Kaboom, is not my favorite thing in no, the world. But the one where you're shooting, yeah. Out? But the, yeah. the Spectacle Islands mini game that was a, that was a pretty good time, and I spent I spent a little bit of time on it. Uh, and I actually also spent quite a lot of time fighting Orca. So, oh yeah, Orca too. did not do that. So there's the what like two hundred, five hundred, and a thousand. Yes. Yeah. So I did the five. No, it's it's a hundred, three hundred, and a thousand. Five, there's a 500 in there. Too. There is? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I got. That's as far as I got. I got the 500. Nope. And then I decided I was going to try for whatever was next because I'm a masochist. And I got to 800 and something hits. Oof. And then I just completely flubbed it. Yikes, dude. And I had to go console myself afterward. I was very upset. I'm sorry for you. Uh, if it makes you feel better, all you get for getting a thousand hits is two hundred rupees. That doesn't help. That makes me hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a it's a woefully inadequate reward. If we're being completely honest, how about you, Matt? What's your blue betrayal situation? So, maybe indicative of where where I land with this game in general is none of them super stick out to me. All, all things considered. We have got Zelda entries that are side quest Zelda games, right? Sure. I mean, Link's Awakening, Majora's Mask. Like, yeah. we've got games that are just masters of the good side quest. Sure. And Wind Waker is not one of them. No. Well, it's 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 an Ocarina of Time-esque game. You're absolutely right. In that, like, it's a it's a it's a legendary game. It sure. is it's an all-timer. Uh, but the side quests just ain't they're, it. They're not there. Yeah. I would say probably my favorite side quest was um, hunting big octos. That was kind of fun. Okay. <laughs> um, other than that, and that's just because I actually like the ship to ship combat was was fun for me. Um, other than that, I think the lore implications of the Deku sprouts were were there. Okay. Uh, like I did not really. I'm not looking. Oh, no. You know what? Saving grandma from her. Oh, uh, that was nice. That made me feel good about myself. Saving grandma from her dementia induced coma. Yeah. 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 There we go. That was a feel good. That was a feel good one. And also hearty soup. It's great. Hearty soup is awesome. Hearty soup is awesome. That stuff is Hearty soup is amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Completely agree. All right. So (laughs) we've gotten a few categories out of the way. Now it's time to get to the main event. Oh boy. This is where this is where the rubber really meets the road. This is part 6, which is our final thoughts and ranking. Can we just skip up to Link's Awakening because we know it's going to surpass everything. So here so Awakening. here's here's what we're going to do. We're going to do the ranking and then we're going to give everybody time to talk about it because <laughs> I think we're all going to have some <laughs> to talk about. Sure. So let's start this off first Matt with a question for you. Yeah, ask me the question. Actually, for the whole table. Did No, you said me first, so I get to answer first. Yes, but it'll go to Mike next. Did you know <laughs> did you know where you were going to rank this game before sitting down at this table? Absolutely not. 
No? No. Did you, Mike? I have a rough idea. I wouldn't say I'm 100% solid. There okay. is there is a three spot. Like it 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 can go what is it? Is it, there's a plus or minus one from where I know it's going to be. So it's either going to be let's just say theoretically because I'm going to I'm going to use numbers that we're not even at. Sure. It's either going to be 10 or 9 or 11. 10 or 9 or 11. We've only played I'm I, I said that I'm using numbers that we haven't even gotten to so as not to spoil the ranking. So, okay. but, but the, I'm, I'm illustrating my point that like there's a flux here of it's going to be oh, okay. any of these three ones, but well, I don't sorry. know. Well, yeah, well, yeah. D- d- let's not let's dispense with the the obfuscation here. Oh, OK. Where do you think this is going to rank? It will either be. Below Skyward Sword and above Link's Awakening. Yes. Or below Link's Awakening or above Skyward Sword. It'll be one of those. OK, it, it'll be it'll be there. All right, so here's how we do this. I'm going to start from the bottom, and we're going to work our way up. Everyone raises your hand. When I say, do you like this game better than this other game? If you like it better, then you keep your hand up. If you don't like it more than the game I list, then you drop your hand. The second that we have got a non-majority, that's where the game sits. All right? Yep. Acknowledged. Acknowledged. All right, everyone put your hands up. Hands up. Do you like this game more than The Adventure of Link? Yes, yes, obviously. Sure. Do you like this game more than The Legend of Zelda? Yes, obviously. Do you like this game more than A Link to the Past? Yes. Do you like this game more than Link's Awakening? Yes. Everyone's hands are still up. All right, here we go, guys. Do you like this game more than Skyward Sword? No. Come on! No, (laughs) No, we don't. (sighs) I knew knew he was going to do that. I knew. I I had a feeling Mike was going to be on my side about this one. I really did. I'm sorry, Lyndon. I really am. I'm not sorry. I'm partially sorry. (laughs) God damn. All right. Where Skyward Sword stands in this podcast. I love Skyward Sword. I just... Okay, hold on. Hold on one second. It was hard. It was. This was by far the hardest I've ever thought about a ranking. Like, bar none, this, this was very difficult for me to rank this below Skyward Sword. All right, so... The new ranking as it stands, I can't believe I'm saying this, is number one, Breath of the Wild, number two, Ocarina of Time, number three, Skyward Sword, number four, The Wind Waker, number five, Link's Awakening, number six, A Link to the Past, number seven, The Legend of Zelda, number eight, Adventure of Link. Look, here's the deal. I was convinced that that I was convinced going into this that the the conversation was going to be. Is this better than Ocarina of Time Uh -uh. or is it worse? And I was firmly in the camp of Ocarina of Time is better than this game. And I also thought unequivocally this game is better than Skyward Sword. Um, It's so tough because as we've mentioned so many times, the reason that Skyward Sword ranks so high on our list, on the people who make this podcast list, 
is because the things that that game does appeal very much to us specifically. Correct. The exploration component, the freewheeling exploration component, the open world aspect is somewhat secondary in, Correct. in, in, in to most of us. Right. Correct. But to me, Wind Waker, like the story that it tells and the, and the aesthetic and the vibe that it has and the feelings that it makes you feel while you're exploring the race. to me, uh, to me, I feel happier playing this game than I do playing Skyward Sword. And mm-hmm. it is close. Sure. I don't want to make it sound like it was a, a runaway thing. Mm-hmm. Like I also, similarly to all of you, I like Skyward Sword more than I think most Zelda fans do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was kind of hard. But to, to me, the Wind Waker is is what I was saying in the very first episode of this show. I think the Wind Waker is in many ways the most pure expression of the Ocarina of Time expression or of the Ocarina of Time school of thought in Zelda design. Mm-hmm. Right. And for that reason, I put it above Skyward Sword. Now, to me, the whole thing is to me, the question was, do I like it more than Ocarina of Time. And I had to come away with no. Mm -hmm. And I know that some people do put it above Ocarina of Time because in Mm -hmm. some ways Ocarina of Time feels a little dated. It's a 1998 game on the Nintendo 64 and its graphical ability, like the, the, the extent to which the hardware could support the artistic expression that was intended Mm -hmm. is less. Sure. Right. But I think that Ocarina of Time has a more confident execution on its premise. And the Wind Waker, yep. while it does have also a very confident execution on its premise, it's got some flubs, right? Mm-hmm. It's got some areas where it does not seamlessly pull that off, right? Sure. There are some areas where the um, the the fact of this team trying to create what is basically the first open world experiment in Zelda games, right, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't completely come together. Yep. Um, there's an intention and it does not completely carry through to success at all times. And simply because of that reason, even though there are some things I like about this game more than Ocarina of Time, I like Mm -hmm. its combat way more. I like, I like its storytelling more. I like its aesthetic more. It's art style. I like all of those things more. All those things agreed. I think I disagree with two of those three points. I think that the final product of Ocarina of Time is more confidently executed mm-hmm. than the Wind Waker. So what what I would ask you instead of what is the, the Ocarina of Time versus Wind Waker comparison, what is it about Wind Waker that appeals to you more than Skyward Sword? Because that that is now the question. We're no longer asking what is better about Wind Waker than Ocarina of Time or vice versa. I, as much as combat and lore and aesthetic are the most important things to me. Sure. Exploration is still a big part of Zelda for me. Okay. And to me, well, Skyward Sword has virtually nothing. That's the thing. To me, to me, the area where Skyward Sword will always fall apart is in its, it's in the reality that it is basically a game full of dungeons. Yeah. And it has no exploration. Yeah. it, It is, there is, there is not a cohesive, there, there's not a substantial. There is a cohesive. There's not a substantial overworld to bullet to um, yep. buoyant uh, Skyward Sword. And, and, I, and, and I guess to, I to put it more specifically, I think that Skyward Sword feels like more of a video game. 
than the Wind Waker does. I think that I think that the Wind Waker has a. I don't, I don't understand that. So it's got a it's got a more confident expression of its main theme, right? Which is of you exploring a sea, right? Mm-hmm. And that feels pretty seamless, and that feels pretty well executed. Skyward mm-hmm. Sword to me feels just a bit more like okay, we have levels and here's how we're guiding you through these levels and you have to do these in a specific way in a specific format and whatnot. Like I, it, it, it feels more artificial to me in some ways than the Wind Waker does. See, and I think that's where you and I would disagree is I, I feel like both are video games with a different premise and a different execution upon that premise. I feel like Skyward Sword is the most confident in what it is. Skyward Sword knows what it is. It knows that it is a linear story driven to fulfill what it set out at the beginning to set up. It set up Link and Zelda have a relationship and Zelda is taken away and Skyward Sword's entire premise is how do we get that back? And to me, Skyward Sword and Ocarina of Time, honestly, are both two, the two most confident in what they set out to accomplish. Breath of the Wild's whole statement is do whatever you want whenever you want. It doesn't matter. And Skyward Sword and Ocarina of Time have more of a story component. And uh, and Skyward Sword dives so hard into that story component that it sacrifices crucial things to Zelda. And that is namely exploration of an overworld and, and secrets therein. Um, so uh, that's kind of, I'm going to leave my thoughts there for a moment because Mike has a face that he wants to say something. And so I'm going to let you do that before we go into both of our thoughts. So, uh, I'm fairly conflicted about my decision. Mm. I will say, I will say that I am also conflicted. I will say that playing it at this current life stage versus Skyward Sword is why I have ranked Skyward Sword higher than Wind Waker. I would say that young Mike would have ranked Wind Waker probably much higher than where I've ranked it now. The having to play the GameCube version of the Triforce Quest and some of the other quality of life updates that you all have received in my current stage with the time I have has drug on me on this. So it's kind of hard for me to rank it because I didn't play the new one like y'all did. Well, to, to kind of validate what you're saying right now, I will say, so this is the fourth time I've played the wind waker. And of those four times I've completed it three times. And every single time I completed it was on the Wii U version. This is the, this is the time that I've had the least fun with this game and it's kind of sad for me to say that it's not because it's not because it's not because I've played other games, breath of the wild specifically that have done similar things better. That's not what it is. I think this time, the fact that we were playing this game on a set schedule, I I, I don't think I have felt that I have uh, disadvantaged myself more in any Zelda game that we've played in this format than Wind Waker. Not even Breath of the Wild. No. Like, and that's weird. I don't understand right? why I don't, that is, but like agreed. Yeah. I don't understand why that is. But like I there's something about the fact that I was making myself play specific chunks of this on a weekly basis that were kind of taking away from the like relaxing nature of the game for me. Like I 
I, I very much I love this game. I love this game so much. I can't wait until it comes out on the Switch and sometime a few years in the future, I can just like play it at my own pace now having a better memory of the way that it works and what you can do in what order. Because to me, that's the most relaxing form of Zelda that has ever existed. It really is. And I just want to be able to do that. But like the fact that we were on this schedule, uh, trying to produce content around it, sort of detracted from... I think the base vibe that the game is trying to sell you. And to me, that didn't impact my ranking at all. It really didn't. So for me, I think it, it it intrinsically has to, because I've never played this game before. Like, I don't know necessarily that I got the full, true, chill, like, I'm going to say this and it might be controversial, take an edible or smoke a blunt and play the game. Like I didn't controversial. I didn't have that experience at all. And I feel like that's what this game is, is chill out in whatever way is best for you and just like immerse yourself in the game. And I was never fully able to do that. The structured nature of it was challenging. So but one thing I'll weigh in on that I'll say this is one of the, the several factors that affected my decision to rank this below Skyward Sword was whenever I first played this game mm-hmm. after drop, so excited, love this game. I didn't finish it the first time simply because of the Triforce quest. Mm-hmm. On GameCube, this was such a slog that I quit the yeah. very first time I tried to play this game through. I think that's fair. And it took me... Uh, probably like a, several months to a year to pick it back up and finish it. And then I played it again after that and kind of knew what I was getting into. So went through it, but at 30 something going through playing this on the exact same system, I played it originally. Yeah. It was such a slog Yeah, that if they had not interrupted the momentum this much with the Triforce quest, I probably would have ranked this very closely to Ocarina. Yeah. I, and like Linda had said, I hold it in my esteem very close to Ocarina, mm-hmm. potentially above. I'm curious if I had played the same version that you guys had played on the Wii U, whether I would have ranked it higher. Higher. I wouldn't. I would not have. And and you know, honestly, what it really comes down to, because this this was the main decision factor for me, is like, do I like this game more than Ocarina of Time? Because Ocarina of Time has a largely uninteresting overworld. Right. Agre- agree completely. Yeah. There's not a lot there. It's just um, like Skyward Sword. Largely uninteresting overworld. Sure, nothing there. Sure. So here's what it really came down to was the dungeons. Mm-hmm. And I put a lot Man. of I put a lot of emphasis on dungeons. And I had some dungeon experiences that were really fun in this game. But overall, I think that this game has got the weakest of the 3D Zelda dungeons. You also only have five of them. Yeah. So, I, that, but but in Majora's Mask, you only have four, and I think but even they're those all are amazing. <laughs> I think even those are better. Like my memory, at, at, if memory serves, and I played that game a lot. I played that game more than any other Zelda game. Yeah. I I I yeah. It's just I think the dungeons are really the point to me where this game fails to distinguish itself over Ocarina of Time. And Ocarina of Time has got, like you know, criticisms about the aesthetic of the Shadow Temple aside. I think the Ocarina of Time suite of dungeons is, is excellent. excellent. They're all great. 
And this game, just like it's got a few standouts and then a few, it has two standouts and then a few notable duds. But most of what it is, is that it just doesn't have that many. Right. Yeah. So this is where I really wanted to get into where why I ranked it where I ranked it. And I know that being the 50 percent of the consistent base of this podcast, I'm generally considered either the cynic or just the skyward sword apologist and like i know that both of those things are <laughs> just a thing guys yeah. the skyward sword apologist I, I know that people will probably roll their eyes at me when i when i say that i i ranked this below skyward sword skyward sword is having an interesting second life post its hd release on the switch i, I agree and i so where it comes down for me is the two things that I look for most in literally every video game I play is story. Is the story compelling? Is the story memorable? Is the story worth investing my time in? You didn't feel like this was any I, you of those need things? to let me finish my thought. Okay. <laughs> the second thing is like the game in itself and the way that you progress through that story exploration is generally not a progression of story. It is a progression of side quests. What I look for is the way that I progress through this story. Is that an impactful, meaningful, enjoyable method of progressing through the main story? The main story of wind waker is really phenomenal. It's very, very good. Daphne's and Ganondorf and their juxtaposition of each other. Would you say that the main story of the wind waker is better than the main story of skyward sword no even given the 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 much better characterization of the main villain yes i would still stand by my decision because i think giraham as a villain is also excellent and i like demise I, I like I understand why some people really don't like Demise, but I like Mike the, has a sour look on his face. I like the Palpatine <laughs> archvillain. Like I th- I think the Palpatine-esque archvillain is not necessarily a bad thing. Like I don't think it's the best thing that's ever been done in a game or movie or TV show. I generally prefer Gan this Ganondorf is the best villain in any Zelda game besides maybe Skull Kid. Like, sure. Yeah. Like generally, I, I believe that. I think this Ganondorf is the best villain besides maybe Skull Kid. I, I agree. So this Ganondorf, not only is he uber powerful, he's also the most probably probably the most relatable. Yeah, he's he's relatable and he's characterized. So I have a que- so Mike, for you, you, you mentioned the Triforce quest specifically as a moment where this kind of broke for you. Is there anything else like is is that truly it? Is that the moment where it it just lowered itself down a rung? It's hard, Lennon, because it really did that. That moment hit so hard in a negative way for me that it, it. I would say it's very singularly part of my lack of higher ranking of this game. I will say that I really think that this game could have gotten in one or two more solid dungeons, and then the lack of. The lack of yeah. depth to a yeah. couple of these islands yeah. really did it for me too. And so that's so that's what I really wanted to kind of segue into was while I think the main story of this game is excellent, the characterization of his villain is excellent. I think the side character is excellent. Mm. Link as a character is not. Zelda slash Tetra is good slash fine. The Link and the Zelda of Skyward Sword are better. 
bar none. Sure. They're better. That's a high bar. It, it's supposed to be. If you're going to get in the top three but of we're all not, Zelda we're not ta- Sure, but we're not talking about everything under that, right? And I'm so it's getting like, there. Okay. So outside of that, then we look at the main story as a whole. And the main story is, in my opinion, the main story at the beginning of The Wind Waker was Link saving Errol. We did that halfway through. And then we pivot to Link becoming the hero to stop Ganondorf. Sure, I can get on board with that. And then, but but the main problem, the main reason that I rank this lower than Skyward Sword is the path to get there through the main course of the game, the dungeons. The dungeons are just not good. Like, outside of Dragon Roost Island and the Earth Temple, the dungeons are just not good. That is, that is a point where I begrudgingly have got to agree with you like it seriously that is the point in which this game really falls apart and that is that is really more than anything else the fact that the five dungeons we get which is not many dungeons no five 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 is is way too few yeah five is too few yeah we get five dungeons and two of them are good like man (sighs) that is that is hard to overcome for me and like as much as I like well, the characters, you know, and we're, I mean, Skyward Sword has has no the best dungeons in 3D Zelda. We'll re-examine that when we get to we, Twilight Princess. Yeah, a lot but, of people but say so Twilight far, Princess yeah. has the favorite one. So, so best, far, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like yeah. man, it yeah. is like it just. Yes. I I cannot, in good conscience, knowing that specifically, rank this above Skyward Sword. Look, I think the stories are comparable in quality. I, I, I personally like Skyward Sword story a little bit more, like just marginally, but then the, then you get the dungeons and I just, I can't do it. So what I will say is that I look, uh, it's, it's really tough to do, dis- to, to disagree with you. I think that you're saying a lot of very valid things to me. This game stands as a sum of more than its parts. Okay. That, that's just to me. Sure. And that's intangible. Yeah. It's it's that like you can't quantify that. It's so it's so difficult. And a lot of that is just because of my historical love for it. Sure. You know, you can't discount that. So that's the thing. Uh, but trying to be somewhat impartial on these rankings, if you would have asked me purely off nostalgia where I would have ranked this, it would have been higher than Skyward Sword 100 percent because I had zero nostalgia for Skyward Sword. But if I'm going into this, especially after Skyward Sword fairly recently, and that level of quality storytelling and dungeon, that's why this ranks lower for me. Yeah. I mean, I just think about like, talk about Skyward Swords like Lene Reminds, for instance, or mm-hmm. what. I mean, there's just nothing that even approaches that. Yeah, and, you, you're you know, totally right. Lynn, what this really boils down to is it's your fault for you guys giving me a GameCube and not a Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, the, but the, the thing is, I went into this conversation. Look, the, where the actual ranking ended up is I, I, like I'm shocked. I really thought we were going to be having a different conversation than we actually are. But that being said, I think that this is a very valid conversation and I – I'm not necessarily surprised about it because I think what I took away from this playthrough of the Wind Waker, examining it critically, like trying to 
rank it and trying to quantify it against every other game in the series, there were a lot of things that I kind of came away with. It's like that wasn't as, as good th- as I remember. Yeah, yeah, as thinking like, okay, that actually doesn't hold up yeah. as well as I remember. So and, one one thing I actually that has been prominent in my mind is like, is there a singular character other than Errol? in the wind waker that holds up to you as being important or impactful the way that Fletch did in Skyward Sword. Cause a lot of things that people say is like the characters in sky and wind waker are so great. And I literally couldn't tell you the name of a single character outside of Errol, Tetra link and the King of red lions. Uh, so we're disqualifying Main. Okay. Oh, main, well, I mean, main characters. Beetle, Tingle. Uh, well, Beetle and Tingle are both in, uh, Tingle's not in Skyward Sword, but Beetle's in Skyward Sword. I mean, no. Yeah. I, honestly, like, is, the, is the answer to that question? No. Yeah. No. Like, that's one thing that a lot of people told me before I played Wind Waker was the characters, you'll, you'll remember them and they're so memorable and they're charming. And I'm like, I don't really think that much about any of them any more than I do anyone in Skyward Sword. Or definitely not even close to Majora's Mask, but yeah. Look, I get it. I I, I really do. Um, ah, uh, jeez, this is tough. Look, we always knew this ranking was going to get squirrely. We really did. Yeah. Uh, it just kind of happened a little bit sooner than I was expecting it to. Um, look, all I will say is that I am looking forward to the day that this game one comes out on the Switch. Agreed. And two, that you can just kind of play it at your at your leisure. I totally agree. I, you know? I would really appreciate a version of this game that is not as scheduled and that I can take my time doing what I like to do in RPG open world games, which is go explore every corner that I can find. Yeah. And that's how I like to do it. And I haven't been able to do that with this game but also knowing that and having done a lot of research on the things that I wasn't able to complete, I don't think I still don't think that it stacks up to uh, where Skyward Sword is. Yeah. OK, look, I, <laughs> yeah, these are all valid points. I, I, I don't have a real gripe with anything either of y'all are saying. It's just it it's tough because we're talking about the upper echelon of Zelda games. And I think top five. Sure. And that's hard. Yeah, well, and I and I think one of the reasons that this is difficult is because <laughs> one of the reasons this is difficult is because for a lot of people, it's a given that Wind Waker is included in that conversation. Sure. It's not necessarily a given that Skyward Sword is. Yeah. But we're living in a world at, which is only about a year old in which we have the best possible version of Skyward Sword. So totally you know, agree. Like I, you can't discount that. Yeah, no, that's fair. And we played and the, the the version of Skyward Sword we played and ranked was the best version of Skyward Sword. Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. To be fair, the version of Wind Waker that you guys played was the best version of Wind Waker. Also true. Yeah. And 50% of us ranked it below. 50% of those who played the best version ranked it below uh, Skyward Sword. <laughs> All right. Well, just to put a pin in this conversation, the ranking as it stands is now number eight. The Adventure of Link. Number seven, The Legend of Zelda. Number six, A Link to the Past. Number five, Link's Awakening. Number four, The Wind Waker. Number three, Skyward Sword. Number two, Ocarina of Time. And number one, 
Breath of the Wild. I feel like that area between A Link to the Past and The Legend of Zelda is going to be... That's going to get full. It's yeah. going to get real it's gummy. Get busy. Yeah. I will say that I firmly believe that Wind Waker will be in my top five for pretty much I actually totally talent. I totally agree with you at the bitter end of this thing we're gonna have to do personal rankings as well yeah and like yeah that's the gonna be bitter fun. end I mean dude yeah. we're not even halfway through this no, I'm, I'm like, very excited for that point whenever we have played every Zelda game that there is to play I am very hopeful we'll all sit down and rank our personal feelings from yeah. one to us three and Max because he's seven, 17. Yeah. 17. Us three and Max because he's helped us with a couple that you weren't able to. Like the four of us need to sit down and just like get our yep, lists absolutely. together. Absolutely. And, and you know what? Oof. There's one 2D. There is one 2D game that I think could really shake all this up. And that is Minish Cap. I've heard tell. Minish Cap Minish is Cap. incredible. And I think that that has a real chance to get in that top five. Give me a Game Boy. We'll see. Uh, dude, I love Minish Cap. I love Minish Cap as well. I love Minish Cap. I really do. We'll see. We'll see. Enzo, he's so awesome. Oh, I will say we have a we have a uh, <laughs> we have a little extra little tidbit here. Max Nichols just reminded me we have to rank our versions of Beetle. Between oh games. yeah, we do. Oh, oh yeah, geez. best uh, version of Beetle, Skyward Sword. Really, I was going to go with Breath of the Wild. I was also going to go with Breath of the Wild. Skyward Sword Beetle has got the best setup. He has a really good he's setup. Got, like a really cool little oh, his little he, sky uh, yeah, dirigible uh, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, <laughs> and and he's got his own damn island. He does have his own whole you know ass island. I I. I agree with that. You know so, what? I can't. Comp- I cannot. I cannot fight the having your own island. He has his own island. Having so a private I island. I definitely ran into him more and sold him more shit in mm-hmm. uh, in Breath of the Wild. But simply like purchasing things from him and having a quality interaction with him, I would yeah. say Skyward Sword. No, so, no, so I will so, say in Breath of the Wild, Beetle is one hundred percent tied to my ability to keep my arrows fully stocked that's 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 the thing for me with breath of the wild is he's he's my arrow ho he gives me all the arrows <laughs> you arrow what ho uh, arrow what ho I'll, I'll do this all day mike like come on <laughs> um but as far as like useful items that he sells and in Skyward Sword, you can get multiple adventure pouches. You can get at least one piece of heart. You can get multiple medallions. And Skyward Sword Beetle sells you a lot of really good ish. There's no doubt about that. And he has his own private island, which is just amazing. And I just killed Mike with whatever it is that I said. So Mike is over there dying. <laughs> We're all good here. <laughs> All right, I think Skyward Sword Beetle wins. <laughs> he's, your, he's your what? Skyward Sword Beetle wins. No, I think he's just about home. <laughs> no, that's Breath of the Wild Beetle, Mike. That's Breath of the Wild Beetle. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, there you go, Max Nichols. Judgment has been rendered. Oh, uh, geez. Uh, yeah, Skyward Sword Beetle. I mean, he's got the best setup by far. So that's there you for go. sure. Man, okay. That brings us to the end of the Sacred Realms recap. Holy crap. Uh, 
Whew. Man, I knew this was going to be a big one. Y'all, you understand how controversial this is going to be. Uh, yeah, right? our, our entire Discord channel is going to have a fit. And we're probably going to get multiple Twitter mentions and or uh, emails to us. I just like... It's just going to be bad. The thing is, I I am a Wind Waker apologist through and through. I really am. And I, I, and I still... I still stand by my ranking. I would rank it above Skyward Sword, but I, I really do see what you're saying, and I understand. Yeah, I the, appreciate that. I understand the reasons why you don't find it to be up to that par, and I also understand the reasons that you do find it to be above because it, it's just it's a difference in what we are looking for within the Zelda game. And I, I will say, I saw the cracks more this playthrough than yeah. I ever have. I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's because we're existing in a post Breath of the Wild world. That's not fair to the Wind Waker. But it's like, not, but think, it is true. So it's, but it's true. It's not fair, but the whole point of, of what you've explained to me in the ranking of this podcast is to try and be as impartial as possible with rose colored goggles for Wind Waker. Cast to the side. Oh, man. Huge, yeah. Usually beneficial whenever you're ranking this game if i'm taking those away and playing just on the most recent playthrough yep that's why i've ranked where i've ranked yeah and i think that's totally fair is is when you remove nostalgia you you can still take into consideration historic importance which is i think a big part of why ocarina of time will always be in the top three is historic importance to not only the zelda generation it's just, but it's, video games in general it's such a confidently made game though. yeah like that's the it, thing like it, it i don't think there will ever be a zelda ranking that does not have ocarina of time in the top three i like i can't imagine that and that's for a very good reason. But when we have to sit here and look at the games as objectively as possible, it's very hard to not allow nostalgia to influence those things. And, you know, for me, I don't have nostalgia for Wind Waker. I do have nostalgia for Skyward Sword. But with all of that being said, I'm willing to admit that there are a lot of things that Wind Waker does better than Skyward Sword. I think that net at the end of the day, Skyward Sword comes just, I mean, I mean, it's just barely marginally above. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not nostalgia for me that, that puts it there. The thing is they're different games. They're very different. Depending on if you were to give a specific criteria of why you think which game is better, it doesn't have much overlap. Sure. Um, they're really very totally different tonally games. Yeah. But my thing is with with the high points of Skyward Sword and that recent playthrough with the, the great dungeons. Yeah. Versus the dungeons of. They were so good. They were so, so good. good. The dungeons of Breath of the Wild are lesser in my Wind opinion. Waker. Sorry, Wind Waker. What did I just say? Breath of Breath the Wild. Breath of the Wild, you did. Oh, yeah. Well, there's no dungeons in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> no, take it again. So with the dungeons of Wind Waker, they're subpar. Sure, in my opinion, it's totally it, agree. it's inescapable. Yeah, it yeah. really is. The exploration is fantastic. The development of Tetra, Ganondorf, uh, best villain in any Zelda game, and then you've got King Daphne's, who's amazing. I mean, there's so many good characters, but it's actually a very limited scope of characters. Versus the characters you're dealing with in yeah. Scabbard Sword, which you, you've got Impa, Zelda, mm-hmm. 
Groose. Groose. I mean, man, Groot is really Groose is awesome. And so you've got all those which yeah. are, are equally on par with development yeah. and such. You have less exploration in Skyward Sword, but with that linear gameplay and fantastic dungeons in my current life stage, ranking this now. That's it, where it, it lands. And so, and one question we actually recently got on our Discord channel is how can you rank Skyward Sword so high when you have segments of your podcast that are literally titled kill me now and so one of the things that we really talked about a lot in that season and in our response on the discord was skyward sword has a lot of peaks and valleys and like there are like the highest highs of skyward sword are some of the highest points you get in zelda and some of the and they're also some of the lowest lows but when it when it all evens out you you come to a game that is just really phenomenal And where I landed with Wind Waker was you were at kind of a 70 percent, 75, 80 percent, like between 70 and 80 percent the whole time. It was just consistently like good, but it never really blew me away. And and the exception being Daphne's and Ganondorf. And that was at the very end and such a short percentage of the game that I couldn't in good conscience take that like two and a half percent of the game and put it above where Skyward Sword landed. So what I'm hearing is let's wait until Majora's Mask and Tears of the Kingdom. That is really where we're God. at. Well, Majora, yeah. I mean, Majora's I'm, Mask I'm, I'm specifically. Looking, I'm looking at this ranking right now and Majora's Mask is going to be the ringer. I have no freaking clue where that's going to land. Like I really don't That know. could be anywhere between one and five. Like it, holy cow. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's 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 not uh, going to be lower than 5, no. but it could be between 1 and 5. No, no chance. No chance. All right. Well, this has been an incredible conversation. I think that we we're going to hear about it in our Discord. That's going to be fun. Um can't wait for that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I feel like the points have been have been pretty succinctly stated. So, um Agree or disagree, uh, there's very good reasons for everything that we've kind of, you know, established here. And yeah, we're just moving on from this point. (laughs) I know you're upset and I'm sorry about that, but upset is disappointed. uh, Upset is the wrong word. Upset is the wrong word. I yeah. Disappointed slightly. Maybe just a bit. Yeah. No, I get it. Like, I, but that's I, the, I, I that, that is the point of this podcast. And that's how I would have felt had Wind Waker been above Skyward Sword is I would have felt disappointed. The entire like, the entire it. point of this thing is for us to analyze these games as objectively as we can and to, I don't know, just like to, to, to be critical in a fair way. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is what has happened here. I, I think the points that both of you are bringing up are completely valid and it's tough to argue with them. And all of that to be said, Wind Waker still is in the top five. It's an amazing game. It's excellent. Nintendo did so well. I loved it in two years. Yeah. In a two year development cycle, which is incredible to me. No one here is (laughs) on Wind Waker. Like that is not a thing. And if you are coming away from this podcast thinking that we don't like Wind Waker, I'm going to tell you objectively, you're wrong. We all like Wind Waker. Wind Waker was a good game, a great game. It is up against some of the stiffest competition in the entire video game world. And 
we tried to put it where we felt it landed most fairly. And I am so looking forward to replaying it and we loved it. And so if anyone comes away from this thinking that we don't like wind waker, I'm going to tell you objectively you're wrong. We love wind waker. We stand wind waker. It's a great game. Go play it. If you haven't played it, go play it. There you go. Especially if Nintendo ever gets around to releasing it on the switch, which we would all love every single person in existence. Uh, That'd be so great. Please. (laughs) Yeah, really? Okay, I think that about does it for this week. Y'all, we're going to be back in two weeks with our first episode of Season 8 in which we talk about A Link Between Worlds. That's going to be a fascinating season, especially now that that all of us have played A Link to the Past. That's going to be a fascinating season. I cannot wait to get into it. Before we do that, though, let's get into some outro. Matt, Mike, y'all have been incredible. Seriously, uh, always love doing this. Mike, we anticipate getting you back on the podcast sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'll be back. We, we gave you a 2DS so that you could play this next game with us. So no excuses. I had excuses and you mitigated them. We so did. I they took them away from you. <laughs> I show you back. To, to no chagrin. I, <laughs> no chagrin. I, none. I, I want to be here. So love you all. And, uh, have a great week. We shall. <laughs> yes. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Wish the best for you, Mike. All right. If you enjoyed today's show and you would like a little extra Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod and become a patron. If you've got no rupees, it's not a problem. Five-star Apple Podcast reviews are a great free way to support us. More reviews means that more people see our show. That makes us very happy Hylians. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sacred Realms Pod for updates on the podcast and for behind-the-scenes action. Sacred Realms will be back next Wednesday with a bonus episode a week from that episode, we will be back with our first episode of A Link Between Worlds. A Link Between Worlds can be played only on the 3DS, which is kind of weird to say because I feel like every other game that we played has got multiple. It has. Yeah. yeah. Like, every single other game we played has been on 3DS, N64, uh, Switch, blah, 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 blah. Virtual yeah. console, whatever. Emulator. Like, yeah, sure. Uh, a Link Between Worlds is playable solely on the 3DS, and I'm not sure what the emulation situation is on that. I have no idea. Probably not great because the 3DS has that touchpad thing. The emulation situation. There you go. <laughs> Man, well, that that's, <laughs> sounds cool. I think that was a Jackson 5 song. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, anywho, uh, A Link Between Worlds, play it on your 3DS, your 2DS. Um yeah, I mean, I, I, at the very least, I think a 2DS should be moderately price effective for you to pick up if you're wanting to keep along with the podcast and you don't have something within that, like, family of systems. Let's play your BS on this DS. Sure. But in the meantime, may your hearts be full. May your arrows never miss. We will catch y'all. Sacred Realms is an independent podcast production, which is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Lyndon Willoughby. Our music comes from Zelda and Chill by Mikkel and is graciously provided to us by Mikkel and Game Chops Records. Zelda and Chill is available to stream on Spotify or to purchase directly from GameChops.com. Finally, our thanks go to Nintendo for creating such exceptional and innovative experiences.